Hello, welcome to Shadcast, episode 34. I'm joined in the kitchen with uh, Trip Allen from Oakland, California. And uh, this is June the 3rd, 2018. Let's go. All right. Happy Sunday, Trip. Hey, hey, same to you. We've uh, we've had three days of decadence and debauchery, <laughs> and uh, it's been like three years since you've been here. It's really cool to have yeah. you. Uh, I'm glad we can now have uh, conversations in a permanent form, uh, thanks to the invention of the podcast, which I, th- I think everyone should have their own podcast, you know. Uh, but I have known you for 100 years, hmm. and uh, we met in... Art class 1995, I think. Um, somehow fate stuck us at the same table with a girl I was dating and, and some other guy who's super cool. And it was like, I don't know, one of the few desks I remember from high school. You yeah. know, Same year. And I think uh, we were talking about going to see Pink Floyd at Rice Stadium. Yeah. yeah. When uh, we realized that we were uh, of, sim- of like mind. Um, and, uh, then you introduced me to the Grateful Dead, which I talk about the dead a lot on this podcast. So thank you again for that. I know <laughs> I've said that before, but, yeah. uh, no, that's been a, uh, that's been like tennis or golf. It's like one of these pastimes. Like if you can play Grateful Dead, if you can play through that book, yeah. you can make money and get gigs. Like it's yeah. the most helpful thing. It's like learning how to fish or hunt. <laughs> um, cool. yeah, man. So God, it's a, it's such a living home of uh like americana and uh it it seems like it's uh that music just meets you where you're at and it's always like what you got today like i'll I'll take anything you got throw it at me you know you want to be a minimalist cool you want to be a jazz guy let's see your chops you know you want to swing i'll take that uh so you know for a basic bitch drummer like myself it's really challenging to get in the pocket and, and, and crank that music out. Um, I remember uh, one of my favorite experiences with you was going to Belize and scuba diving, and you brought, like, an acoustic guitar, I think, yep. and the Dead Songbook. What was it called? Like, Anthology? Grateful Dead Volume 1 or, and 2, I think, Anthology. And 2. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think we So that's probably, like, what? How many songs? I mean, 70 or 80, probably, total. Like, 35 or 40 per book. Hard to say, but a lot of them. And we got through like half, at least half that those yeah. two books, you yeah. know. Um, so I remember just playing like bongos on yeah. a pier at night, watching bioluminescent jellyfish and uh, plankton, and and just cranking through like Uncle John's band, and yeah. you know, trying to harmonize. And that, man, that's you know, that stuff that means a lot. I mean, Good those times. are the kind of lasting. Yeah. You know, I forget like so many conversations yeah. these days. Thanks, Booze, and uh, yeah. But that, that that kind of shit that stays stuck. with me forever, um, and yeah. I, I still just you know it's great when you find art or music that just locks you just lock in you know it's mm. like DNA shit you know yeah. it's like um, I'm now complete or <laughs> closer to self actualization because I've discovered <laughs> uh, this art. 
So anyway, Grateful Dead, man. Here you are, the man who introduced me to it. You know, I've spent million of hours, millions of hours listening to this band and playing the music. Uh, and we used to do it as a two-piece. Uh, yeah. One of the first bands I ever remember being in, it was like Poop and then Family Dog. Yeah. And Poop was like a shitty punk band in the garage and uh very very much uh welcoming of humor and music yeah uh which is something that kind of comes and goes in my life with music but um and then uh you and i would play as a duo a lot mm-hmm. uh you had this like back shed at your parents house and yeah. the back it room. was like the back the back room that's right that's and what we called it what would it said like uh peace through Peace through music, I Peace think. Peace through music at the end. Yeah, on it was a sticker like, on the on the. It was like church. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. like a place you go in and, uh, you know, play music and uh, enjoy each other's company and a very old school thing now. You know, in the, uh, yeah. in the tech bubbles we create for ourselves. Um, you know, I just don't. Yeah. I hope there's still kids getting up to no good in back rooms and making music yeah. for hours till their fingers <laughs> bleed. Yes. So the neighbors call the police. Me too. Yeah. Those are those are also times that were golden and like shaping you know how we approach music. Yeah. Just have it without boundaries, you know. Yeah. It was really neat. And it's good to like not be like on the streets causing trouble, you know. Yeah. Like it's something to do. Parents like it, knew where we were. Yeah, exactly. Like that that's the, right they're here. making racket mm-hmm. for awful, <laughs> awful racket yeah. for hours now yeah. <laughs> they never I, stop same song we just played bertha for like days oh on it oh my god yeah uh Dark and Star. then you were in a band somehow with family it was called family dog or you didn't have a name i don't think we really had a name per se we just kind of stuck that as when we played a talent show or some sort of school function and they needed a name and we just was like oh that's easy uh, but yeah it was like seth my younger brother and matt case they were already jamming and Parker, Parker and I kind of just shout out I was kind of like, oh man, if those guys are yeah Parker, I'm like if those guys can play, I can play and that and then we just started doing that and yeah, it was kind of just organic. It just sort of happened because we were hanging out and making you know what noise. The first tunes y'all were playing were the first tune we ever played. Yeah, with Seth on bass, Case on lead guitar, me on rhythm guitar, and Parker on drums. Bad Moon Rising. Bad Moon uh, Rising, yeah. what a classic yeah. first garage band. <laughs> Pretty song. sure that was that was the first song we played. Wow! And then I think the next one we learned was um, uh, "Sunshine of Your Love." Mm. Yeah, because Matt was a huge Clapton fan. Yeah, and rightfully so. And so uh, those were like the two. Yeah, those were the beginning. Whenever I th- and I'm not even a huge Credence fan. I don't know what it is. It's I don't dislike them per se. It just doesn't do what it used to. Um, but every time I hear that song, it takes me straight back to like Parker's, the little, it was like his back playroom where there was like a ping pong table and stuff. We like pushed all that to the side and just, man, it was loud back there. Tile floors and like, it was so loud. There was was a uh, pool tile floor. Oh no, no. It had a foosball table. That's what it was. Foosball. Cause we ended up painting it day glow. So we could play they glow everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah. And glow in the dark stars. Glow in the dark stars on everything. And every the now wall. and then some I remember some we had some really talented artist friends that would come yeah. over and paint shit on the walls yeah. and it was just like you know, we'd all hover around it like you mm. know, it's stoned apes like Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look oh at man. This. It's like a hieroglyph hewn into the stone. <laughs> He's left us a gift. Yeah. What does it mean? Oh man. <laughs> 
so I joined and, and we did the double drum thing. Yeah. And then, uh, I was a budding horrible drummer, and uh, we all made such beautiful ragged together. I remember Case would like stop playing so we crash cymbals. So I learned a valuable lesson that crash cymbals will contribute to listener fatigue real fucking quick. <laughs> uh, so keep those crash. You know, Max Baker comes oh, to yeah. all of our shows. Uh, he hates a lot, a lot of crash cymbal. Oh, interesting. And like even Peter Gabriel, I think I read on his album. There's no cymbals on that album. Like, don't bring any cymbals. Wow. The drummer was yeah. like, what do you mean don't bring these cymbals? <laughs> That's like a, what a drum set is. He's like, well, I have no need for those things on this album. You know? just, I could see that. It's kind it's of, you know, they're amazing. noisy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we joined the And what was, I, like, I'm trying to go back to, like, what was our first gig? Did we play, like, school functions or did we play clubs? or I know we did, did like, we just play in the back, back room. Y- well, we played at, like, Kim Atlas's birth or graduation party, like, high school not but like at the end of the year, sorry end of the year party we played down the street once we did play at a <laughs> oh, we played um yeah like four houses down <laughs> <laughs> one two three four exactly four houses four down, houses down. <laughs> um and then uh in houston texas yeah where, this is where we place. grew up yeah good right and uh uh let's see we played a we played a some kind of school function that was like an after school fundraiser what the heck did we call it what about the, the talent thing? show? Oh, yeah, definitely the talent show. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. that was right before I think I joined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was right before, yeah. Yeah. Man, that was, a, that was a trip. It's funny just how informal that band was, but to me it meant, you mm-hmm. know, every band has meant a lot to me because um, it's just you, you just feel such powerful emotions and feelings, mm-hmm. and I'm usually, I feel like a rock or a tree going through my days, like, mm-hmm. like an unfeeling, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like I should be, like, have, have a greater range of emotion or something, but it just seems like every day is the same day. But yeah. anyway, music like snaps me out of that trance, you know, yeah. where you're just like groundhog day, nightmare, zombie land. Uh, you know, music is like, it ignites my entire, like, did you see that MRI scan of the brain on music? Like it's all, all your neurons are firing. Like it lights up the whole, like, you know, so if, like you're doing math, it'll light up one part of your brain. If you're like, listen, parts. you know, if you're, uh, if you're learning a language, it'll light up this part of your brain or whatever. And that's listening to music. Yeah. Listening or playing. Yeah. I was going to say, remember. I would love to see one of playing, but I don't know how another that crazy video about playing music is a guy is getting brain surgery and he plays violin the whole time as they're, they're like digging into his brain. He's awake and playing violin what? while they work on his brain. Oh, man. Crazy video. Wow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, man, I just, playing two drums with Parker, like, Parker taught me a lot about kind of that uh, Allman Brothers style of drumming. Mm-hmm. Like that Butch Trucks, Billy Kreutzman, just boogie and just play, like, a wide grooves and, and definitely cater to the music, but know when to just let loose. And you got to – there's room to be virtuosic. There's room to uh, to be a little wanky. and uh, mm-hmm. But you really just want to keep it – you know, keep this big noisy monster cooking. You yeah, know? like keep it on the track. And I was horrible at that back uh, when we played. But uh, I'm I'm finally slowly getting uh, a little better at being a, a solid drummer that I can actually breathe while listening to, uh, like <laughs> like the good drummers. Uh, oh, we saw. Speaking of good drummers, um, we saw a live one the last two days. Was mm. were those your first live one shows? Man, I've seen a live one a long time ago. Because Percy said this is eight years, and I was thinking that's 
right after um, it started right after I left. And I think I was coming back. I, I moved from Austin to Oakland eight years. Yeah. Eight years ago. And I nine going on nine and I would come back pretty often. I feel like I caught him once or twice when Danny was drumming for him. Yeah. That was a, the first way uh, early point on bass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. West hands on keys. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It was, yeah, a that was the first ago. lineup. You know, Josh is so like good. Drummers. It's, you know, yeah, no, Josh was a boss this weekend. I was really Man. impressed at like the size of his, like the impact. Like he had, you know, some guitar players have this atmosphere around them. You know, like every note is cushioned. It's nestled mm. in this just vibe, this this mm-hmm. rumble, this. Uh, you know, like Slash is great at that. Like yeah. when he plays a guitar solo, it just or David Gilmore, you know, yeah. it just fills up the whole world. Mm-hmm. It's just got such a presence, you know. And uh, I feel like Percy was really. Um, was really doing that that big presence kind of guitar god shit yeah, last night. He did. He built a nice wall of layers and really had direction. Yeah, and I feel like that was that was really nice and patience. A lot mm-hmm. of patience. Mm-hmm. You know, there was space. Yeah, I think when we were younger, we were all, you know, and and his original band, Moving Matter, that's actually got back together recently. <laughs> that's um, right. Love it. You know, that was very busy. You know, it's kind yeah. of like prog rocky, yeah, fast rush Trio. type. So they're all have space to fill because there's only three of them yeah well at least when we met him there was only three there was four originally yeah robbie was on keys. and then yeah but then we met them <laughs> and robbie now is like a epa or you know he used to work for the epa he's like a he's like a scientist that's fighting climate change wow yeah amazing dude cool um got to see him uh at bernie's 40th birthday player uh, chris holland's the bass player for moving matter and um and a good friend of mine i hope to get him on the podcast soon yeah. Shout out. But uh yeah, man, so uh I felt like the drummer for a live one, it's probably their seventh or eighth drummer, myself included. They had uh, Danny and then uh Alan, Nick, um me, Keith Laudieri, and Jose. So seven wow. drummers. And uh, I, I could be forgetting one. Um but this guy's real tight and he's real uh controlled. Yeah, and I was I was really impressed. He was the first guy I think to ever play riff correctly in that band, which I was uh, telling you at the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. That was my first time to see that guy, and he was he was an impressive drummer. That was cool. I like to it. just come out of left field. No one's heard of him, and he's just yeah. crushing drums with a light one. Yeah. it's beautiful. I was stoked. Uh, and then I quit Heartburn, and this guy Casey Byers uh, joined that band, um, and he's really tight like that too. Like these guys are great at keeping time and, uh, and just being in the pocket. And that's, you know, that's something I forget to just turn on a metronome yeah. and just keep time for as long yeah. as I can without any frills. Just yeah. try to be in the pocket. Like the older I get, the more mature my playing gets, the more I realize these basic principles that you got to be able to play Billy Jean yeah. straight and funky, you know, yeah. without doing any silly fills and yep. being winky. Have you, uh, last time I saw you playing was a, uh, acoustic, uh, you're playing an acoustic guitar in a, uh, public, yeah, like a, I did a, building like a, or a it's like public. a, not quite open mic. It was, uh, it's a coffee shop in, in, um, Oakland called, uh, Farley's Farley's East, I believe. Cause there are two of them. And, uh, yeah, a buddy of mine. Well, I, it's funny. I, I got a job out there and made friends with some of my coworkers who were musicians. It's, you know, we're like, we, we've sniffed each other out and, uh, 
interestingly though the music they play is more punk and you know which i was way more into when i was younger and i can dig on it but it's not like my main jam these days yeah. um way less angsty than i was yeah it's uh, great when you're pissed. So, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm not pissed anymore. Overly over overly pissed. <laughs> overly just subtle. Just, yeah, just the <laughs> you know just the bane of existence with our current administration. Yeah. You know, just the like oh, yeah, creeping sense of hopelessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump's but, America. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I met you know. So I got I kind of fell into this group of a music a community of musicians and mm-hmm. and people who put on music and one of my friends um, trick. Patrick trick he uh he does this thing monthly where he has like just three or four just one person acoustic a coffee shop and doesn't matter what kind of music original or not just like you know no pay I think the pay was like a beer Mm -hmm. and so I was like oh man I haven't played a live in front of anybody since I left Austin and b I've never played live in front of anyone alone Mm -hmm. you know I've never done a solo acoustic (laughs) tour <laughs> and so i i uh i like woodshedded for like two months like got my guitar out of the storage and woodshedded for two months hard learned some new cover songs that i thought resonated with me and then played baba ganoush um mm. also a song yeah, yeah, mikado song. Yeah. Uh, song um that i thought's just really you know people out there don't listen to that well the people that i hang out with and that were at the show don't listen to that kind of stuff but uh uh, I did like a Bill Withers tune. Hope that kind of stuff. What do you mean, like uh, reggae? Yeah, that like and people jammy don't listen reggae. To reggae. No, no, no. Oakland? People, sorry, people in the Bay do, but the people I was hanging out with at the time, they're like I said, they're more punky and kind of punk and reggae are like cousins. Yeah, they don't realize that. It's strange. Listen These are hard. Lime. Oh, I know. You I'm, know, I'm with you. And they're also pop punky kind of so this uh, pop punk stuff that's one of the things i hated about san diego like that yeah, aquabats like i'm really uh, trying not to shit i love my pop. friends i just don't you know and i go to their shows to support them but i'm like <laughs> not into the, you know the music on yeah. an emotional level it's just yeah. cool to see my friends having a great time and that brings joy to me i i can get i can be okay within a place like listening to music i'm not into if i'm surrounded by people that are having a great time and i care about those people you know yeah. so that's fine so i do that but then uh, I did the acoustic thing, and that was it. I kind of like I was like, okay, I did it. And then you I played just Baba Ganoush and Bird Song. I played Bird Song. I played a uh, Long Haired Country Boy. I played uh, which is by uh, Charlie Daniels, mm. and then uh, I played Hope She's Happier by Bill Withers because mm. I'd just gone through a pretty rough breakup and mm-hmm. was coming to the realization that hey, if you're going to be happier with somebody else, then that's what I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what other one? Oh. Tenacious D friendship because my buddy Tom was was there in the audience and he was the first person that I met in that group of friends. I work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was there. And so I, I played friendship, but I like interplaced his name with, you know, whenever I could <laughs> <laughs> and like change the lyrics to, to like have like uh, talk about where we work and stuff. So oh I kind of like yeah, improvised customized. it. Yeah. And so it went over really well. Yeah. Uh, it was a good time. Yeah. And then I did, uh, I did the Baba Ganoush tune, yeah. the, the the Mikado. So five tunes. I, I played an extra one, like just because I was like, you know, you're gonna have to pull me off now that I'm up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, when this is uh, a blast. when uh, Evan Bozarth was on the podcast, he was saying how it's easier to give someone a mic than it is to take it away. Oh yeah, you know? that's for sure. Like once you set that mic up, it's like, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was so okay, back to uh, back yeah. to our musical journey. So we played in Family Dog for 
two years? You no, know, a year, a year and some change, and a half. probably. It was very yeah. the loosest of engagements. Like, yeah, it was definitely because like, I was gonna because I graduated we didn't have in '96. Stickers or merch or anything? No, no recordings. Really, direct, like, yeah. this was yeah. This how was did we tapes, record? Tapes all we day. We had like one of those um, little tape, like voice recorders. Yes, but I say little, but they're huge back then. Right, I mean, they, they were, were like size the of size a of a lunchbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and, exactly it. And then you it. press like play record at the same on a tape, time and then start like your timer. Tape, yeah, and you're <laughs> like, you all right, we got him. <laughs> he got 45 minutes. Yeah, we have to time this out. But I felt like we didn't even have that much control, like uh, over what we were gonna do. Like we just kind of flew by the seat of our pants. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, like, no clue. Yeah, like we never knew what was gonna happen in the music, and that's part of the kind of the majesty and mystery to use uh, spinal tap language yeah. uh, of uh, music of Grateful Dead music, especially is like it can just take you. You know, I remember I was listening to this uh, trucking where they start the song and it sounds like Bobby's about to start singing, but he doesn't, and they jam for like fifteen minutes. It, it goes like, yeah. you know, and then they start the song. Yeah. And uh, that's the kind of, you know, I think there's one, uh, there's a Samson and Delilah mm-hmm. like that where the intro is forever. I even think that I know the, yeah, I feel like I listened to that recently. I have, yeah, all of the Grateful Dead, you know, on the Spotify. So I just hit random and I feel like that came up. I was like, man, this is, they haven't even, this is, yeah, this is before on? the first verse. Yeah. This is the, <laughs> yeah, like when it's, and I'm sure that's what some people hate about the Grateful yeah. Dead. I think <laughs> like, that's oh from God, 70, 72, I think. Sing the fucking lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't forget them again, Bobby. Yeah, like, you wrote the damn song. What's going on here? Like 12 minutes into the pre-trucking jam. You know the audience is like, there's got to be a 15% of the audience yeah. like, like are they did did I like, black right out when they sang the song and now they're jamming? Because <laughs> I have not heard one lyric. Oh man. Anyway, so uh w- did we play and then we played Grateful Dead music in Family Dog. That's kind of where Yeah, and Almond Brothers I started learning that shit. And uh like One Way Out. Yeah, One Way Out was our was our did that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what else uh Fire on the Mountain. Yeah, Grateful Dead. Yeah, pretty much. Fire on the Mountain. Yeah, man. When it, yeah, when I hear that song, I just automatically there's a pink purple glow to that back room mm-hmm. at night with all the the Christmas lights and the black lights and everything, and uh, the day yeah. glow, and uh, fire on the mountain. Just you know, so just it. to paint a picture for y'all, because we briefly touched on it. This back room, the back room, this is like fabled. Like people that we went to high school with, many de- people like people we don't even see anymore knew about this back room because we would play there all the time. It was basically about the size of a of a living room. It was a it was a storage a shed. Small living room. Yeah, small living room. It's big enough to fit two drum sets packed in tight. A sofa. A sofa somehow, and then bass setup, two guitar setups. And we had a black pearl and a white pearl. Yes, that's right. Like yeah, spy versus yeah. Spy. So it was super cramped in there, but it was for us plenty of room for all kinds of crazy things. And we we completely so it was it used to be a shed. My dad let us do a summer project to turn it into a music room because we were bugging him with all the music in the house. And so we like insulated it, put carpet foam padding on the walls. We soundproofed it as best we could and then completely. Sleep bubbles. That was cool when you were asleep. 
<laughs> oh, it's, okay. It's not there doing time. Okay, where were we? Uh, uh, sorry about that. Oh, no, no worries. I was just describing the oh, back room. I remember the first time I saw the back room, I think y'all were uh, doing the egg crate yeah. project. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, would, I worked at a bagel shop, and I would save up the 36-pack uh, egg crates that were like one foot by one foot with egg, you know, look like egg foam. Egg cartons, right? Egg cartons, yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. egg cartons. And uh, we were, I guess, hot gluing them to the carpet padding that was floor to ceiling, and... Uh, and then spray painting them with Dayglow and fluorescent safety spray paint. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had multiple black lights, you know. I, I was it, immediately enamored with how determined you guys were. Y'all were like psychedelic ants. Yeah. Like so determined yeah, to a, make this yeah. this little box as trippy Magical. as possible. Just crackling with electricity. <laughs> we had an air conditioning unit, a window unit, so we could stay cool in the heat. And man, it it was amazing. We yeah, just, it was like 70 degrees was, Every there. day I'd get home from school and just go straight out there and play guitar and yeah. do whatever, listen to music. And there was a, there was a few albums that we listened to a lot. Like Planet Drum was one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Metal was one. Yes. Um, Gray Folded when, we, when that came in. Folded. When that came into the circle, that was... I still listen to that. Like, I, I do, too. Yeah, that's, that's pretty magic. Yeah, Deemsters and Gray Folded. <sighs> yeah. Forget about it. Yeah, oof. Uh, then uh, there was... The Surrealistic Pillow album from Jefferson mm. Airplane. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there was a Hundred Year Hall. Yeah. Two from the Vault. Two from the Vault. That's one from the, the Vault. Classic, yeah. Um what else did we look that like there's just certain albums I could I could count on uh to listen to you know. Um Yeah. It, it was interesting back in the day before Spotify in the nineties when what you had was all you could listen to. Like there yeah, was no going weird. to YouTube or going yep. to like, we just, we earlier, we looked up when YouTube came around, it was 2005. And, uh, you know, that's, that's relatively recently, you know, it's, um, it, you forget when things become legend, like you forget that Amazon's only been around for 20 years or something, yeah. you know, and like they're taking over the world, like healthcare and all this, oh you goodness. know, like, yeah. I mean, you know, you're in the cannabis industry. I'm in the wine industry. We're yes. both kind of like legal drugs, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, 21 we, and up. We push legal drugs. And uh, and Amazon could take both of our jobs, I think. Oh, absolutely. Where they're just like, what do you want? Like, here's all the things man has. Yeah. I can get it to you in 24 hours. They're like Thanos. Free shipping. You're like, how yeah. does anyone compete with that? Like, you really have to be this kind of hipster, old school guy. Like, I'm going to... I like going to meet my bartender, and yeah, I have a relationship, Mm -hmm. and I talk to the mailman. I know all my neighbors. Yeah, you know these people that that still need human connection, which is uh, old school now. Yeah, it's true, and that's exactly how we, my job, where where we try to provide that service is is you know people can always get undercut us on price. People can always. you know, there's always going to be competition that can, but what you can, what we can do is the experience and making sure we have like knowledgeable associates and just people that, that know how to listen, you know, and, and meet people's needs. That's really what it's yeah. about. What are the what jobs where you work at Harborside? Okay. Like how is it broken down? What are the duties? Uh, well, we've got a, it's a pretty large operation. We've got multiple departments and multiple um, locations, two locations. Yeah. One in Oakland, one in uh, San Jose. And then there's another one or two that are going to be opening soon, but it's still we don't know exactly where that's going to be. There's different places. It just depends on where it happens. Um, so 
there are several teams. You've got like the safety team who's, you know, make sure everybody's safe while they're there. What people might consider security team, or we just call them safety. We think it sounds a lot better. Right, because it's all cash. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, Which I want to talk about later. Yeah, the feds don't let the credit card companies work with uh, any cannabis dispensaries. So um, safety department, and then we've got, I guess, kind of how walking in the building, you're going to see safety first, then you walk in onto the sales floor, and that's my department, the sales department. Um, we've got folks that have like a work at a front desk to kind of offer information if people aren't sure what they're doing. But we have a pretty large sales floor. I want to say it's... You're in sales. That's perfect. Yeah. Because I thought you were back of the house. In my mind, you were like... No, no I, I or... started on the sales floor as an associate, just like basically what people would consider a bud tender. We just called them sales associates yeah. or wellness consultants, we call oh. ourselves. Oh, wow. Um, that's a little woo-woo. Exactly. Wellness consultant. Because ultimately, that's the way we look at it. Yeah. Um, even if people come in thinking they're buying recreational, yeah. 99 times out of 100, they just don't realize they're using cannabis for wellness. Yeah. Do you have to back off the nomenclature of medicine? Because I remember you're like, I, one thing I know about the California cannabis industry, which I find interesting as someone who's into uh, jargon or lingo or mm-hmm. uh, shop talk or whatever, you know, it's like uh, y'all would call cannabis uh, first cannabis yeah. was the first the step. scientific second name. step was calling it medicine. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a good, you know, when I use it, it's to go to sleep. Like, I absolutely use it medicinally, you know, or like to relax, to play drums for a long period of time, you know, to relax my mind. And I think there's really, you know, helpful uh, medicinal qualities that I would still file under recreational, even though it's really not. Like, it's always, for me, that uh, cannabis has always been a way to go to sleep at night because I get riled up. by You know, life is insane. And uh, so it's it's easy to get to... uh, you know, and I'm sure I could fix it through meditation and other ways, but, you know, I'm just comfy with using cannabis to relax and go to sleep at the end of the night uh, and kind of leave all the nonsense that floats through my head uh, to be in that kind yeah. of recycle bin of my hard drive, mm-hmm. my mental hard drive. You know, that's yeah. that's a great thing. Like, I think Marley said, it gives you time to be a man, like yeah. to just be a freaking human it sitting helped. there relaxing enjoying the oxygen yeah and present your dog's uh company or whatever and you're present and yeah. you're and you're calm and you're there's Mindful. no problems yeah that's yeah. that's what a lot of people look for that's the greatest thing and i wouldn't call that medicinal necessarily right. but well, there's an yeah. argument to be made that is medicinal uh you know like say prozac or mm-hmm. zoloft well and that's why we say wellness because it, it's interesting i don't have the exact words in my mind but the federal government's you know Department of Health or whatever that like recommends how people stay healthy and you know you eat these vegetables and all that kind of stuff. Um, when you look at the definitions, the way that they describe wellness program or a, a, a lifestyle of wellness, the things they talk about are all either cannabis use can either benefit or enhance them. So ultimately, that's why we, you know, whether it's like relaxing, like you said at the end of the day, some people. You know, some people think of, okay, well, if you're getting high, that's the recreational part. And I learned something when I got the job there that some people are um, dealing with PTSD or trauma. And for them to be high, it actually takes them out of their mind. So, like, the idea that to be high is purely recreational is actually not accurate. That 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 soaring high for some people is, is calming and it's centering, like we were talking about before, being being present sort of letting go of all of the stuff that's creeping in there and, and walking around your, the shadows of your mind. That's, you know, whatever it may be that inner dick in your brain yeah, is telling you fear. you're not good enough yeah. and that you're not worthy or that you're reliving this trauma. Maybe these are PTSD mm-hmm. from veterans. Maybe they keep 
you know, they can't sleep at night. So just being because they keep thinking about, you know, so the idea that being high is purely recreational we, is something we're trying to also educate folks on that. Yeah. Um, it's really however someone's using it to meet their needs is is going to be for wellness. That's our that's our take. That's how we it's like hemp. It's that's so how we useful. frame it. You know, it's... that's how we talk about it when people come through the door. And we're not going to try and oh, it's not Rick. I'm not going to argue with someone if they call it. I'm just here to get high. I'm just going to go with the flow. That's and, one of its many uses. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. And now adults 21 and older have the choice to do that. You know, like and they yeah. have an opportunity to get it in a safe environment where the medicine has been tested, the product has been tested, and there still is a robust medical um, framework. So there are still people who come in with doctor's recommendations. They can get their taxes reduced, just like when people buy medicine. You know, that isn't cannabis. You don't have to pay taxes on it. Things like that. Sort of. So there are definitely benefits to maintaining identity as a medical patient. I still identify as a medical patient. I, I have a medical card in California. Yeah, it's, it's to me just more insulation, more validity. Um, and, I, and I appreciate being part of that whole system. A lot of people um, in the cannabis industry historically, out of necessity to not get thrown in jail, we've had to keep a very, very low profile. And I... A lot of people still do for fear. Maybe it's just old habits that die hard or, or, you know, current administration, whatever you're dealing with that's that's causing that. But personally, I decided that I wanted to, you know, sort of come out of a closet and put my name on the list and go and be that person, especially as an activist. Yeah, exactly. Especially as a white male. I mean, I'll just get right down to it. The cannabis industry is definitely being influenced by big business, you know, and that's like old white guys in suits. And for a lot of people who've been hurt tremendously by the war on drugs and cannabis, which are basically people of color, you know, minority communities, a lot of racism. Yeah. So that's, there's a, there's a legitimate concern by those parties who have been, who are now saying like, okay, yeah, but my brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers are still sitting in jail. And now like this guy in a suit coming in from big pharma is going to buy a dispensary and make a lot of money. This doesn't feel right. There is like some really I have, and I personally have issues with that too. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm glad to be a part of a community that recognizes that. And we're trying to, um, what we like to say is we're trying to cannabisize, cannabitize business instead of having business influence. Can't, you know, we're trying to show people how, Hey, you can still make money, but you can do it from a framework of wellness and compassion. It doesn't have to be a zero sum. It doesn't have to be at all costs. You know, we, we can, we want to show the world how we do it. You know, we want to have those values in our, our cannabis culture shine in this new in this new environment. And it's challenging. The yeah, laws have taken a lot of it. The law the laws have taken a lot of the culture out. You've got a lot of people who are coming in and successful in other businesses. You got Jeff Sessions. Yeah, geez. Exactly. Then you got the the regulators, the reg, the feds, and all of that still looming, if, yeah. or at least trying to give the appearance that they're looming. Because luckily, right now our 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 Congress is protecting us. Um, that's our representatives, you know, and they're they see it back in their states. What there's, I don't well, know like the, number, the tax, yeah, like and the, the benefits, benefits that it yeah. happens, you know, is um, you know, sick baby babies get sick regardless of the Republican or Democrat or whatever, and cannabis helps them. And people get, you know, that's the thing is that once people see what cannabis does in their constituents and they read the letters, there's just no it's science. There's no denying it, you know. Um, it's like was, climate change at this point. Like, I think we've finally, yeah, let's accept that it's yeah. never killed anybody, yeah. that it actually has medicinal purposes, mm-hmm. that it's less dangerous than alcohol. Mm-hmm. 
which, you know, my conspiratorial mind always thinks that big alcohol and tobacco would be majorly threatened by the cannabis oh, industry. They like why, when I think about why it's not legal in Texas, although the CBD is, hemp is. Yeah. It's, so um, it's such a, you know, it's a very uh, greasy, blurry line. A lot of gray area, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of smoke. <laughs> uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely sleep. And and the alcohol industry did get involved in California State. We have this weird distribution system that's very much modeled after alcohol distribution, where the middleman has to actually take the booze from the creator to the wherever. And I know there's ways around it and loop, you know. But for right now, just we cannabis and alcohol are so different in the way that their shelf life, you know, cannabis is an herb, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it's going to start losing potency. It's going to start losing its flavor. It's going to start losing its aroma, medicinal synergistic properties. Um, yeah. The aroma, that's actually part of the medicine is these, these it's aromatherapy. Cannabis is, an, is if not the most sophisticated aromatherapeutic plant on the planet, it's got to be up there. It can produce so many different compounds mm-hmm. And the same stuff, like lavender makes you sleepy, linalool. That's linalool doing that. Cannabis produces linalool like a mm. champ. Um, so it what has l- l- linalool, pardon me, N-I-N, lin, uh, or sorry, L-I-N-L-A, lin, uh, uh, dang, let me. Lanolin? L-I-N-A-L-O-O-L, linalool. L-I-N-A-L-O-O-L, L-O-O-L, linalool. That's, that's first for me. There's some others um, I could try to rattle off in my exhausted brain but either way the point is that cannabis produces so many compounds that aren't just cannabinoids they're they're you know flavonoids and terpenoids and these these are compounds that plants produce to interact with their environment with animals and and other plants so this is the way the plant talks to us and helps us and the other interesting thing that well wow this is I got off from the alcohol, but so alcohol's already got their hands in it. They're they're they create a distribution network that's required right now for cannabis, and so we have to pay taxes. We have to there's fees and you know middlemen basically that we didn't want to have to see um, involved that we didn't feel are necessary. But we also recognize that sometimes stepping forward means you're going to step diagonally or you know forward and then sideways. So we were compromising when we have to but there are also a lot of active active um we're working to get the the laws and the regulations changed every chance we get you know with each voting cycle or whatever we're trying to get in front of the boards and 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 so far it seems to be working pretty well we've made some we meaning the cannabis community at large in the bay area has made recommendations to the cannabis uh, ccia the cannabis cannabis industry Association, basically the overseer. Oh no, the BCC, the Bureau of Cannabis Control. That's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking of. Um, the Bureau of Cannabis Control. They are very open to our feedback because um, they're they're doing this for the first time too. That's what's interesting is um, we're still. You know, if we look at the life cycle of cannabis legality in California, we're a six month old baby. You know, we're yeah, it's, we're no, it's very new. we're in we're in our diapers still, and we can't communicate, and people have you know. So it's it's infant. And it's infantile. It's, no, it's amazing. You're just now coming up with AVAs, which in yeah. wine is a American viticultural area. And, yeah. you know, where cannabis now has a sense of terroir. That's the French term for uh, a product uh, telling you where it's from through its characteristics and qualities. Mm-hmm. So 
like in wine, if you smell like thyme and lavender and sage and rosemary on a wine, on a red wine that's that's dark, uh, I would guess it's a Cote de Rhone because I know in the Rhone Valley there's like all these aromatic plants being grown that contribute to that smell in the wine. Oh, so wow. that 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 sense of terroir, like Chablis, is grown on like white. It's Chardonnay, which is a very flexible grape. It'll tell you where it's from, but. Uh, or how it was grown, but it's grown on these chalky slopes, and it's got this just chalkiness and this saltiness and uh, acidity. Mm, wow. So I think uh, they're also doing a viticultural, or you know, AVAs, AOC, DO, DOCG, that kind of uh, mm-hmm. classification to oysters in the Gulf. Oh, just like they do on the East Coast. Yeah. You know, they used to just be like Gulf oysters. Right? Yeah, or this, these dismissible oil slick. Yeah, uh, you know, giant oysters that no one wanted to right. eat, fry or grill. Yeah, of course, you know they're not like the delicate uh, northeast, you know, Hammersley's. Uh, New England, New England or West Coast uh, oysters. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so could you uh, let us know about like what some of the new uh, appellations of, of yeah, Nugget I think that's are? what they're calling them. You know, I'm not actually familiar with all the names. They have mostly to do. They mostly coincide with the counties that they're grown in. So. Um, but then within those counties, there are definitely some variations depending upon, you know, average temperatures and rainfalls because California is filled with microclimates. So it's like the Appalachians are named after counties. A lot of times. So you got Humboldt, you got Mendocino, you got Anderson, so, yeah. you got. I mean, I guess I could have done a little research. Uh, that's that's good, though. That listeners can do a little of their own. But it's uh, And it's also still coming together. Uh it's but yeah, amazing. I believe there's 11 or 12, maybe 13 of them so far. And they mostly range from Santa Cruz and south of the Bay up through Northern California. Um, some of them are pretty big, um, like Mendocino areas and stuff. And then others are just really, really tiny, um, particularly in uh, there's a there's a part of California where uh, artichokes are grown um Salinas, it's near. It's it's near somewhere near Salinas. Yeah, somewhere near Salinas. Let her slip, her, let her slip away. Oh, geez, yeah, that's right. Because um, it's gorgeous out there. It is like just plants grow. They jump out of the ground. The climate is incredible. The sunshine is incredible. There's a cool breeze. It's it's you know it's redwood country. So mm-hmm. that tells you how oh, fertile yeah. the ground is, right? It's just red where redwoods meets the the beach. And mountains and wait, where is this? Are you talking about Centennial City? I'm talking about uh, Salinas, like south of the Bay, where um, okay, Central Coast, Central Coast, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, just, Thank I you. just drove that whole thing. Oh yeah, LA yeah, to uh, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, Central Coast. All that lettuce and tomatoes and blueberries or whatever are grown there. Yeah, it is fertile and perfect weather, and yeah. they get sunshine for X amount of days a year, and you know, it's just everything's exactly perfect. Yeah, and so that's where really a lot of cannabis. Uh, is being grown down there and a lot of land is being bought by cannabis growers cause it's just perfect. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting and I'm, I'm glad to see that what I love about cannabis is that there's things about it that we can learn from other industries like the wine industry, right? For sure. There, and aromatherapy and you know, biology because, and this is just a little fun side note, the endogenous cannabinoid system that every creature other than insects on planet earth pretty much has some form of including like sponges and everything has some form of an endogenous cannabinoid system they named it the endogenous cannabinoid system endogenous means within because it was cannabis plant the the cannabinoids that we were trying to figure out what on earth are these compounds interacting with inside of our bodies and then the scientists figured out these receptors in this network 
that lies underneath basically all of our other functions. It's the can the endogenous cannabinoid system is a regulator, a bioregulator, and a a mediator of stress and and an impact on our body. Um, so we actually have this system within us named after the plant because oh. we knew about the system inside of us after we knew about the plant. So we have a system inside called the cannabinoid? Endogenous cannabinoid system. Endogenous cannabinoid system. Endocannabinoid system is what we call it, or EC for short. Um, That's what we talk about at work. And it's so phytocannabinoids, which are cannabinoids produced by plants, right? Phyto. Mm -hmm. Those mimic endogenous cannabinoids. So our body produces them. Um, The most popular one that people have heard of is anandamine or anandamide. I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced, but it's like the bliss molecule, you know? Um, there's several others that have way longer names that I'm not smart enough to be able to pronounce, but there's a handful of them. And and these phytocannabinoids mimic those cannabinoids that, that we produce. And those cannabinoids that we produce are used for everything from helping to regulate our sleep cycles to our eating, our drink, you know, our hunger cycles, our sex cycles, the way we reproduce. It's, it's an underlying system that helps sort of maintain all of those. And they also help um, when we get bruised, the CB receptors in that area will in, light up and that will get anti-inflammatory antibodies and all kinds of biological processes basically to mitigate stress, right? So these plants mimic that and we're flooding our bodies with them. That's why they work so well with us. Um, so that's, wow. God, that's, that's the science of how pot gets you high. Exactly. There's receptors in our brain, and there's receptors in our in our our internal organs. There's receptors in our skin cells. There's receptors for these cannabinoids throughout our entire body, concentrated in certain areas, obviously brain. Um, but but you know, if you get a, a bruise on your foot and you put cannabis lotion on there, it's going to interact with cannabinoid receptors where that bruise is at. You know, so, reduce swelling, uh, reduce pain, reduce inflammation, reduce yeah, <clears throat> fight pain um, yeah. with no side effects really. Well, and the other effects. Um, are like ocular you're right it relieves pressure in your mm-hmm. eyes because like yep you know cannabis gets your eyes red and kind of squinty you can usually mm-hmm. tell when someone's been using <laughs> and uh that makes me think that it has an intense ocular effect yeah it definitely is a, a inflammation reducer so if someone is dealing with ocular inflammation cannabis would within minutes of of you know smoking it or, or inhaling it, it will be it'll have a reduction in that it's funny, my eye doctor always tells me to not smoke for a few days before I come in so that they can get a, a baseline of my ocular pressure on those little puff tests, you know? Oh, she's, God, I hate those. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so Bay Area. Like, the, the optometrists have to be like, don't smoke weed because I'm not <laughs> going like, to. It's going to give me a. It's not, not going to tell me an accurate. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, so you just want me to not sleep for three days before I come in. So you want Got me, it. You want me to lie to you is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I can give you, like, Two days, maybe tops. Yeah, and I'm gonna be you grumpy. Know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, no, I take giant chunks of time off, and it's I'm more, um, more focused, and I take life too seriously, and I'm bored. Like that's really the problems with mm-hmm. the uh, teetotaler life is just how boring it is. Yeah, you know, it's nice to have like. A mental curveball at the end, you know, at some point in your life, you know, it's like, oh, I would never think of that like that. Um, I just like to say, cannabis makes doing laundry fun. Totally, yeah. You Turn any into monotonous it. task into something that you're like, hey, this isn't so bad. Yeah, I, I don't recommend. It. I, some people like, I think Rogan talks about working out under the influence, uh-huh. but I cannot imagine wanting to break a sweat or work too hard. Like, it definitely. 
it definitely calms me way down. Like it, yeah. it lowers my motivation to be productive. Interesting. Like yeah. I'll be creative. Like yeah, I love right. being creative under the influence. Right. But you know, I mean, uh, like musicians. I think that's a big reason why musicians are always uh, looked at as stoners because uh, it just really goes well with music. So there's some sort of auditory enhancement that goes on as yeah. well with that uh, chemical, uh, which uh, shouldn't be ignored. Um, like I definitely think, uh, going back to our music for a second, uh, we when when I graduated college, I moved to Austin in, in '02 to play uh, in a band with you and yeah. and a lot of the same guys from Family Dog. Yeah. Um, and that that band we called Mikado, which is a strain of cannabis. Which was yeah, and uh, that was very much I think music. You know, I think that whole jam band music is very much a cannabis form of music. So maybe cannabis yeah. is even responsible for a whole strain of uh, music. Sure, like jam bands were. I mean, for that brief period, if you remember. Back in the days of uh, when Lon Bozarth would have his uh, soundboard oh, yeah. shows at, oh, yeah. the, at the Vibe, and it would course, be Barbie and Mikado and Moving Matter and Grooving oh, yeah. Ground. Grooving Ground. And those were like the four bands that are still doing a lot of the, the, the great tribute scare of the Audis. And, yeah. Um, those you know, those like, members, those members same, of bands that are cats. not. Yeah. yeah. Other so than Moving Matter. We've all like, played yeah. together in, in every imagination you can. Yeah. Every uh, combination you can imagine, but um, anyway, it's it's kind of cool. But what I was gonna say back to uh, the appellations of cannabis is oh, yeah. the cool thing about wine and, and appellations, like say Burgundy in France. You're only like they've probably experimented with a lot of different varieties of Vitis vinifera, and they're like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay work the best. Yeah. Period. Yeah. If you want to play around, you can do Aligote and Gamay, but tiny, tiny percentages. This is Pinot Noir and Chardonnay country. Yeah, these are the vessels to communicate how beautiful and perfect the uh, this region is. So, yeah. my thought and hope is that you know we've all seen the documentaries of the Emerald Triangle where uh, it's just hillsides of perfect oh, yeah. marijuana, like just oh, yeah. green, not a brown leaf. So you would think that there's certain genetics that work in certain areas, and once you start Guarantee concentrating. It. Uh, appellations with varieties you can actually start to make rules like, and that's why this industry is at such a infant stage yeah. or maybe it's not maybe you know this is highly evolved that we get to do this but in terms of wine it's way behind you of know? course because it's always had to operate of in course. the shadow of night yeah. so it's exciting that uh you know that that so many states are legal now and like yeah. you have people like michael pollan talking about psychedelics on on uh, the viewer, whatever, like yeah. it's just like it's weird times. People are like kind of opening up about. Shit. I find it's it really encouraging not that it's really not that bad. Like it's yeah. it's got such a negative connotation, but it's actually like just this harmless like care bear of a chemical. Oh my gosh, yeah, that just makes you eat nachos and 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 giggle and, yeah. and maybe like binge watch a show. Yeah, like it's it's so harmless and it keeps you pretty much local localized to the couch. I mean, it's you know, most people chill chill out, and uh, yeah. How can this be bad for society? How can this be bad for our controllers that want us play complacent yep. and just yep. into our tech bubbles, watching our television, yep. being programmed by the state? You know, like how is that not? And then the taxes, the taxes oh my gosh. the governments are making right now is insane. It's like billions of dollars every year. Yep. 
going to schools, going to infrastructure. I mean, I just opioid use goes down in legal opioid states. Use, yeah, I mean, that's DUIs like, go down, drunk driving goes yeah, down, no alcohol consumption goes down. Exactly. Unless a bale down. of hay falls on you of cannabis, unless a giant, unless you choke on a Dorito. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I get I get a little pissed no, when I can't. think about how uh, unwoke our government is in regards to cannabis and like these Jeff Sessions like. You know, I read this yeah. thing today saying Republicans aren't conservative. They're regressive. It's a regressive movement. Yeah. You Yesterday know? was better. Yesterday was better. Let's make America great mm, again. No. Remember it when wasn't it was great? No. That wasn't great. It was not That was great. us working on getting great. Yeah. Working that out. Yeah. And I'm not saying we don't have tons of room for improvement in this country. I'm just saying, like, in fact, this is what we're, this issue we're discussing is, is a, a simple step. I think mm-hmm. federal legalization is the only way. Yeah. So that we can all be making money and, uh, you know, reduce the black market and mm-hmm. get, empty the prisons. That's why I voted for it in California, number one, is it was the law was imperfect. There's no way that you're going to get a perfect change in democracy. Like, it, there's always going to be compromises. But one of the tenets of the California law that passed for recreational is that people get out of jail. Brothers, sisters, mothers, like fathers, pardons. uncles. Pardons. Pardons. Records wiped. Not only that, in Expunged. Oakland. Exactly. Expunged. And they're doing it automatically. Like like I read an article just before I came out. The city of San Francisco will be expunging 75,000 cannabis arrests going back till 19-whatever-the-heck on whatever date at this time. So you just check, you know. So for me, it's like I don't care what the stupid limits are. Or you can only buy an ounce at a time. Great. Who cares? Is people getting out of jail? Sweet. Because those people should have been out of jail yesterday. Should have never been in there having jail their lives the worse. Yeah, and that to me is no, a huge is the people most don't have, never been, tragic have no idea how nightmarish it is to be in a box with no freedom for using your medicine. Yeah. Oh, I can't sleep at night. You're going to jail. You know, like that's <laughs> so. That's why I voted. That to me is the most important is factor. Prescribed all oh, over the country. Yeah, that that for me was the most important factor. Is someone who's been to jail, not prison, but jail. On more than one occasion, in more than one state, for cannabis, it's a I it's nightmare. A, it's something that I'm extremely passionate about, yeah. and, and empty the prison. Gleefully voted in favor of legalization, in spite of the imperfections, in spite of the stupid laws, and in spite of the fact that in a, in a lot of ways, the legalization in California has created more laws that actually it's like alcohol now. If a kid gets caught with cannabis under 21. Kids don't get caught with cannabis under 21 in California. It's bad news. So it's created now penalties that can still ruin people of colors, especially young kids under 21, but they're adults 18 to 21. I mean, there's still work to be done on these laws that, 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 so that we can find, so, so we can feel that there's like, again, that cannabis compassion involved in the legislation and the cannabis, what the plant teaches us needs to be involved in these decision make in these decision decisions that are being made. Um, and unfortunately, so many people that are in making these decisions or influencing them not only don't use it, they've probably had, they've probably been misinformed severely for the, throughout their lives. Or worse, in my opinion, they've been making money off the incarceration and the drug war. So they're like hypocrites that are now just trying to come have their cake and eat it too. Well, yeah, um, the military industrial complex yeah. and the prison system are, are definitely money making operations. Yep. Yeah, so it's it's without a doubt it's it, it's a lot of but again you know and, and slave get, labor really oh wow yeah they're getting tons of labor out of these prisoners I mean nonviolent it's, drug offenders fill the prisons 
It's terrible. Yeah, so, so they're they're working on chain gangs yep. and highways and yep. picking up litter and it's ridiculous uh, painting shit. You know, painting over graffiti or cutting lawns, like mowing medians. Yeah, it's like slavery. Oh yeah, for just because I couldn't sleep and you found my sleep aid. Yeah, or God forbid, my I read an article about this kid who turned his dad in. You know. <laughs> 1984. Wow, you know, geez, yeah, it's like, oh, what you a see something, say something. For, oh, yeah, so that's it's we're baby steps of progress, you know. And California's legalization has been it's been a lot of fun. It's been really challenging. Um, just how I, you know, could only hope life would be as fun and challenging, you know. Did Obama ever? Uh, I think I felt like I read something about him raiding dispensaries like Harborside. And, like, Harborside went through some legal shit, right? Definitely Obama's administration ramped up the drug war. My views on Obama aren't really popular with most of the people in the circles that I run around right. with because I'm I'm just not into Republicans or Demublicans. I think yeah. they're both, you know. And Obama, from my, my values were as a as a human being. You know Obama's policies on cannabis and the drug war, and were worse than Bush twos, and he what about escalated the wars. Yeah, well, yeah, geez, I mean, worse than Bush two. So as far as yeah, escalation the of the drug war by the Democratic Party. Yeah. More dispensaries were raided. More people were arrested under Obama's administration. More people were killed we, by machines. Yeah, we had uh, definitely had some federal. You know, they tried to put walls up in front of us, but I like to think that we just turned them into speed bumps. The IRS came after us. Um, Melinda Haig, the one of the federal prosecutors in California. Haig sounds yeah. like some Tolkien Isn't that the perfect, monster. Yeah, um, and she is definitely not a pleasant person. Uh, she came after us. Luckily, all of that because we're so transparent. Because our organization is so, to, you know, we make every effort to to set a shining example of how to be follow all the regulations, transparency. You know, community driven. Uh, we do that. We and so for that we usually like I, our lawyers know jujitsu. I guess is really what it is because mm-hmm. like nobody can get to us. You know, like, are a we're, bunch of Jedi's. We're and just ninjas. yeah. We're we and maybe it's the energy we've you know we've we've created there that it would become such a bad publicity headline. You know, if they're like wheeling people out in wheelchairs, you know, and stuff yeah. like that um, in handcuffs. But they don't we're good for now, you know, and, and yeah. we have been for running strong for 11 years. Well, it seems like this year y'all are, I mean, it's not legal federally, but it's legal. The whole it's legal left in coast California. Is, yeah. Uh, Oregon yeah. and Washington too. Yep. So, so you got a whole chunk of the, we got the Nevada. Yeah. Nevada. Whole Las, chunk of the, uh, Las Vegas. That whole chunk of the country is, uh, is, is you're, you, yeah, you can Nevada's walk in from out of stating and, and buy cannabis. Pretty much. And even Arizona and New Mexico. So pretty much as soon as you leave Texas heading west or north and west. Yeah. If this legalization as soon as you, is a disease. The Pecos River is state. like the, like, <laughs> it's the new like legalization line. Like it's. Or it's the it's funny, yeah. Because like, New Mexico, because I I figured that out once when I was driving home. I was like, really, you know, to come visit. I used to drive home to visit because I had wanted to bring Walter. I was like, really, I can have my cannabis on me all the way without any fear up until I get El into Paso Texas. Or Love yeah, it or whatever. Up until I get into Texas, and yeah. then I would need to have a lot of fear. <laughs> yeah. It's a because they're not hour drive yeah. through nowhere. Yeah, with random checkpoints mm-hmm. and shit. Yeah. Well, luckily we figured out where all those were, so we avoided them. Well, thanks, internet. Um, but yeah, yeah, and Boy Scouts driving around as kids, but yeah, but, yeah. but it's it's weird how there would be checkpoints so far from the actual border. Oh yeah, 
you know. Surprise, like, surprise, surprise. Like, what do y'all... <laughs> what you got in there, boy? Yeah. No, I mean, it's been... A, I, I know what you got in there, the California plate boy? ...to have been harassed by uh, those distant Border Patrol outposts. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, okay, back to the job. So, you know, oh, yeah. the sales guys, you got the security guys... You got the the cashiers. Yeah. Right, so the sales team is made of right. And, the the sales team is made so up. You of, talk people about what each strain offers, or like yep. the differences between all the different uh, yep. varieties. I like. Like the, I would like a wine sale, like in exactly. a wine shop, you'd buy like Zinfandels. We're Ferdi, like sommeliers, Cabernets. Yeah. In a lot of ways. <laughs> got it. But I, I I tell people the experience where we're at is more like what we've created is is without realizing it is in the in the same neighborhood as REI where you walk in and there's this big showroom with all the products displayed and you can walk around and if you want to just go right into our store store and you, you know exactly what you want and you see it and you pick it out, you can be in and out in a few minutes or you could like REI. Like I'm just here for a, a steaks for my tent. I don't need to talk about canoes for two hours. I don't need a lecture on down. I'm just need my steaks for my tent. You go and get your steaks. You go and get in line. You're in line. Somebody calls you up. You get rung up your gun. Or you could walk in REI and spend all day talking to people about things that they're passionate about, you know, canoes, camping, climbing walls, cannabis, you know, <laughs> and so Boots. people can come in and spend two or three or however many hours they want talking to our consultants on the sales floor. And so it's sort of also like an Apple store in that we're just like walking around. Bar. Yeah, we're, we're just walking around with our iPad menu and the displays and the display cases that are kind of in like jewelry case style. Yeah. Um, and and people talk to us and we answer their questions and then we either like start their order digitally um, and then kind of save it on our point of sale system or we just if they're old school we just write it down on a sticky note for them yeah and they walk up to the cashier technically the clients aren't allowed to gather the cannabis themselves it has to be handed to them from an associate sure. this is one of the so it's not like a wine shop where the customer grabs yeah, the bottle with exactly yet we need to because this is ridiculous this is what we're trying to t- like. The lawmakers act like this stuff is radioactive or, you know, like, or that it's... It should come in prepackaged, cute little... It does. That's where it's heading now. In fact, it has to be a childproof container. So yeah, like a ha- little you know, eighth. Absolutely. Like, with a great label, and people barcode. shop by label, yep. the barcode. Oh, it's already, it's already going that way. Yeah. So you're high-tech, but you have to use cash. Yeah. So you're paid in cash. You're- no, no. Actually, luckily, we use a uh, local credit union. Um, and they allow they we can do cash deposits there, so we're able to get paid like paychecks, checks. you know, and, and oh, direct. And if you do, join that credit union, you get I, thought, I figured everyone deposit. got paid in cash. That and would be like, true. like walking out of there, like oh geez, like, that, <laughs> I hope I don't get mugged in Oakland. That is very common in the cannabis industry. We're just lucky enough to be at a store that's again our lawyers and accountants know jujitsu. They're just brilliant, and they have it all gotten to where we've established relationships through reliability and transparency that allows us to do things that other cannabis dispensaries just don't either have the resources or maybe the experience to, to be able to do. Um, so I'm definitely grateful for that. There's a handful of dispensaries um, in the Bay area that fall into that category. They have really, really wonderful owners that are community driven and transparent. And um, a lot of dispensary owners out there were basically acting just the same way that a cannabis user would act in a, in a, in a unregulated underground market. So they're popping up dispensaries and strip malls, selling a bunch of maybe getting an, an account under a credit card for a, a private entity, a private person and taking credit cards. Cause we hear from clients, Oh man, well this place down in such and such will take a credit card and we have to explain, well, that's really nice and all, but they're probably not doing it with any of the legality or 
does like if the credit card companies knew this, they would not be okay with it because the federal government threatened them as being um, accomplices if they allowed their services to be taken in dispensaries. Mm. So that's why they won't work with us because essentially they would be laundering our money. Wow. And so, yeah, and aiding and abetting. You but know? at some point, somebody's got to have a security oh. service move a large quantity of cash oh, yeah. to the bank. We have a lot of um, – we used to have former employees as um, some of our safety managers. Um, and they're who armed. Were po- who are police officers, like former police officers. Um, people who worked in security for casinos and things, we get advised. So we have pretty sophisticated techniques for making sure our safety is – you know. Our safety is is uh, looked out for. Yeah, and so we feel pretty good about it. You know, the armored cars, things like that. Yeah, they have yeah. So you have like a Loomis that is cool with this. Uh, yep. Federally illegal, locally legal. They're local shop. They're local. Sh- yeah. Well, and what's cool is here's what's really cool, and this is what I love about humans is are just we're so clever. There is an armored car company that is owned and run by all veterans. Um, I want to say Marines started it, you know, but either way, it's all vets and they have gotten permission both locally through all the regulators and federally to operate as cash movers for dispensaries. And and they're going to be allowed to make deposits at the Federal Reserve in San Francisco. This is like groundbreaking cannabis dispensaries using a vet because, I mean, how can you say no to the vets? Like, (laughs) like, yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) a lot of people say no to. Oh, I know. But like, that's the thing is. You shouldn't, you know. So it's like, it's so beautiful. Our troops. Oh, oh until God. they come yeah. back with that's PTSD a whole different podcast. They, we yeah. give them heroin. And <laughs> that's a whole yeah. But it's beautiful because they they are using and the, that's one thing I love about the cannabis community is how welcoming it is for those exact folks, veterans, the LGBTQ community, people who have been downtrodden by people just, with cancer that are in yeah. pain every day. They can't, can't eat groups of people that have been pushed aside or marginalized by mainstream society. You know, it provides a community for those folks and, um, relief, you know, like you're saying, um, and that's priceless. You can't, there's not words for that to be, yeah. to be involved in I that. Mean, I, it's so rewarding. That joke that, uh, it just makes you eat pizza and Doritos is, uh, yeah, if you if you pull away from the kind of joke from that, like the, getting an appetite, you know, for some people is a big deal. Yeah. Like you know, life. That's like how you live. Life or you death. You got to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Life or death. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's, I don't know. Like what else does that? I can't think of anything. Yeah. Like, is there another substance that makes you actually hungry that you can think of? I mean, no. That's yeah. That's important. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't have an appetite. They're, yeah. They're sick. Yeah. You know, uh, or they. They have prescription medicine that makes them like when I was on Ritalin as as in high school, uh, I didn't eat lunch. Yeah, you know, I like remember I that. Yeah, you remember? I just hacky sack like smoke like, cigs and hacky sack. Yeah, hyperactive. <laughs> Candle um, lights and hacky. You know, yeah. no attention span. It, it's just yeah, uh, or maybe uh, maniacal attention span. But it definitely doesn't make you hungry, and it makes you uh, celebrate this this uh, chemical that does actually make you hungry. And it does reduce your pain and inflammation. It's just, it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. I'm glad you're over there. I can take a quick pause for the cause. Sure. Be right back. This this beer's looking empty. And so, um, front of house, yeah, is you got your safety team, you got your sales team, you got your consultants out on the sales floor, you got your, you know, cashiers if you want to call them something like that. I mean, we just call them sales associates. 
they're actually fulfilling the order, getting the product. Whoever handles the cash is a cashier to me. Yeah, yeah. But they're also going to be answering questions if need be mm-hmm. and making recommendations. So it's 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 an interesting role. It's um, it's still pretty complex. So what, they share duties with you? Yeah, I manage the whole – all of them. Um, there's 45 so you hire them and fire them? Yes. We, yeah, exactly. There's about 45 of us uh, or 45 associates. We also um, – I'm also in charge of the merchandising crew, which are the people who restock everything and make it look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because they're so integral to what the sales associates do, that's it's all under one heading of the sales yeah. of the sales, but it's yeah, two like teams. Like the sales team. Yeah, exactly, with different groups you know, or it. within it. Um, and then there's also a purchasing department, which are the people who are sh- like kind of receiving, you know. Um, and then there is a. Okay, let's talk about that. Oh yeah, so, cool. I imagine that it, it, at least in the, and I'm going back to wine world comparisons here. So I imagine that there's tastings, <sighs> that there's events that you go to where every all the growers and supply uh, producers bring their goods. And you go sample, and you see who's hot, and there's some young grower from Nevada who's right, blowing right. minds, and then there's this guy from Healdsburg that's like mm-hmm. the next level, and this dude from Sebastopol no one's ever heard of, or whatever, and you like come together. And, or the women. And it's like, yeah, our Tsukiji market, where uh, in Japan they have, in Tokyo they have a... Uh, like a fish market where all the fishermen bring their big tunas in yeah. and the octopus and everything, you know, and the squid. Uh, and it's it's five in the morning and you go mm-hmm. and you see the best product that's available to you so that you can sell it in your sushi restaurant or whatever and have fresh products. So yeah. are there events like that that y'all can go to to test a bunch of different producers? Yes and no. It's not quite that sophisticated yet, but there are definitely cups um you know, underground contests uh, and the cannabis sessions cup in, yeah. in Denver. The right? Cannabis cup would be one of example of one of them. Yeah. And there's, there's several, like there's an actually a NorCal cup going on right now in Sacramento oh. that I'm, um, that I'm missing out on. Um, a lot of my friends in the industry are out there, um, doing exactly that, getting together. They have booths. Um, and, and you can, as a, as a buyer, like we'll send our buyers to these, I mean, like, um, we'll send them to these organ to these events, and they do exactly what you're talking about: is go to different booths, get cards, network, see if there's product that we want to bring onto our shelves that we think would sell there, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the the, the funny thing about cannabis versus wine is like, it, with wine, you can spit it out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, are people actually like the Bill Clinton not inhaling when they're sampling? I'm sure uh, that those people exist, but for the most of us in the industry we use it so regularly that we're also capable of smoking a lot of it or tasting a lot of it and functioning a hundred percent no problem it's okay it's kind of so the tolerance is definitely tolerance is a factor yeah and probably why you get repeat business because people just aren't getting mm -hmm. the same effects over Mm -hmm. the the long run exactly i don't know if that happens that probably happens in wine too it must where people just develop a tolerance fatigue yeah you get any, or if you just kind of get sick of it, you know. Uh, but yeah, those those kinds of events are cool. They're starting to happen with more regularity and more sophistication. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a giant smoke fest when you get the um, the permit to have the smoking area, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Then yeah, it's it's um, it was it was the last one I went to was just this giant tent like a this. Like at a livestock, you know, like a this, an arena sized tent filled with booths, and it was just like a circus a tent. smoke, yeah, circus tent filled with booths, and it was a smoke fest. Like it was, I awesome. picture like the Great American Beer Fest. 
Yeah, except everybody's holding a joint right. or a bong, and very few people are holding alcohol. That's <laughs> it was actually really neat that um, all the alcohol consumption was like siphoned off to these tiny two little you know like pens is what I was calling. It was just like fencing around it and stuff. I'm mm. like. Leave it to the stoners to make the people who want to have a beer feel like the assholes. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you uh, got to go to the other side of the park. Yeah. Okay. Go Segregate. to the thing. You got to. Go, you can't take your beer out of there. Yeah. We're all going to walk by you and like shame you with our eyes while we're smoking fat okay. joints because you can't smoke in the beer area. Uh, There's no mingling of it, which to me is something that's got to change. It's yeah. just ridiculous. But it's they just go great together. Fear-based regulation. Yeah. And they're just, you know, we're not there yet, but yeah. we will. Um, right Cause, now, you know, because smoking uh, dries you out and drinking lives you up, so it's yeah. you know they 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 work hand in hand. One they hand share so the much, especially with flavors and and you know yeah, you can geek out on both of them yeah. equally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got an argument with somebody once. Different potencies, like kind of describing how a, uh, a like a drug dealer and a wine. Uh, distributor very similar there's a lot of similarities you oh yeah there's so many different products you gotta have in-depth knowledge you gotta tell stories you gotta uh mm-hmm. you gotta distribute it a relationship you gotta, eh? like find it cheap you gotta sell it expensive you know like there's, yep. there's relationships yeah so uh it was kind of for some reason it was, a, it was a more difficult argument than i felt like it should be i was like there actually are a lot of similarities here like i get it that it's that you're illegal and this is legal, but that's just like, that's going to go away someday. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Forgive me for being an optimist, but, mm-hmm. uh, someday that, <clears throat> yes. Yeah. And that's a weird thing. Uh, the, the federal thing, you know, I, I realize as we talk about what you do, where it's still, uh, the federal paying of, uh, yeah. disapproval is, is still r- ruffling your feathers, you know, and exactly. like disrupting operations. Yeah. Very like much I so. can imagine, uh, people buying a warehouse, and I think can you remember that um, show? It was like a documentary about some cannabis dispensary owners in uh, like Breckenridge, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? And like With how the, the government would like like um, uh, delay their permits and things, like just bleed them out. Yep. Like basically, like you have to buy this huge warehouse for production and, and all these permits. And then they're not going to approve your permit for eight months mm-hmm. while you're paying 20 grand a month right. to keep this facility. Or even more fun. They'll, they'll like threaten your landlord. If you're, if you're renting one to throw the landlord in jail because they're aiding and abetting and, you know, just kind of go as a really backhanded. And then, Oh, the feds, I guess. But do they actually show up and like, hurt people and uh, black helicopters. I mean, how much is, that's, that's real. That's what was going on with Obama when they would raid places. Yeah. You know, tactical gear guys going into like Alex Jones brain where there's yeah. black helicopters and dudes just coming down these ropes. I mean, not, well, that definitely armed. happens in, in the Hill country when people are out there growing giant fields of it. In the Emerald um, triangle. Yeah, absolutely. The black helicopters and the guys coming down with machetes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent real flamethrowers for sure. And so, but it's also those are the you know tactical units that go in and bust up dispensaries. Usually they do it to smaller ones that can't defend. You know you pick on the weak. You know the the ones that can't defend themselves. They don't have the money to pay lawyers to to drag it out. They don't have publicity to get bad headlines. We have a, you know if Harborside tweets something or whatever, people around the whole world hear it. And so we're we're not a great target for the feds right now. They they thought we were going to be like the big trophy and they take us out and then. 
the whole thing crumbles, but we beat them. And so it made us more robust and it made, and it made them realize like, we're not the ones that you want to try to, that we, because you're smart and organized yeah. and you have a lot of resources and transparent. Yeah, exactly. And community based where, yeah, the, the fact that we're not doing shady stuff is exactly what's keeping us sustained and provides us with that like cultural and political clout. The local politicians love us when we had, when we were getting messed with by Melinda Hague and we had like our, we were out on the steps of, or out on downtown Oakland, like that was like three, four years with, ago. Uh, yeah. About, uh, uh, yeah, about four years ago. Uh, yeah, f- actually four going on five probably. Uh, we we did a little, you know, took some signs down to downtown Oakland and we're like holding them up. And the firefighters, the police driving by, they're honking in support. We're we're major contributors of taxes. We're the area where we set up shop. The crime has been reduced because we send our safety teams out into the neighborhoods around like a one mile radius of our shop just to like make sure everything's cool you know, just be present. And, and so we've, we'd like to think that we have, you know, not through gentrification, but through like community, but building, we've improved that community. Um, we've got, I think at least half of our management are women. Mm. Um, and I would say the majority of them are, are people of color locals. Um, so that's, again, that's something I'm really proud of to be a part of an organization that values diversity and that looks for, the best candidate, you know, and yeah. looks for and and you know what we tell our staff all the time is, hey y'all, keep on making recommendations. Y'all, the references are the best, you know. Like it's old common sense. Like if somebody already, if somebody you trust and they already are giving you the okay on this person, like yeah, bring them in. So you end up getting great diverse talent from within, mm-hmm. and so it's really, uh, it's really cool. It's really rewarding. Okay, so we were oh, yeah. talking about we went off ja- on totally. a jag, but uh, we were talking about uh, the different uh, kind of roles and jobs and duties mm. in yeah. a dispensary. <clears throat> so at some point, I know there was clone like I, y'all have to be cloning shit. Like there has to be some sort of production on site, right? So we're kind of like a farmer's market as far as clones and stuff goes. People bring the clones to us, and then we put them on the shelf. You know, we buy them for. A and we sell it for B and we mm. put it on the shelf and and so when so you sell plants yeah cool we have a farm because you're allowed to grow a certain number of plants per household these yeah days. recreationally you know or legally for right. a 21 year old so yeah anybody can walk in and buy up to six plants yeah. um, if they have medical notes from their doctor that changes and they can buy more but just anyone off the street six and plants. clones come from some strong gene- genetics like. This plant is strong and grows fast and is big. Yeah. So let's clone this guy. It's the exact same principle when you go to the the hardware store, the gardening center, and buy starts. Cuttings um, is what they're known as in, yeah. in the non-cannabis world. We, we call world, them clones. In the wine world, it's cuttings. Cuttings, yeah. So technically, that's what I would, li- I would like to see the cannabis world adopt nomenclature that everybody else is already using because it's correct and functional. Totally. Clones sounds cool, but like if that's not what they're called in the real world, then let's not do that. They're not the cuttings. They're cuttings. They're cuttings. I mean, technically they're cuttings. We just call them clones. You're not like, it's not like some chimera or like, you know, they've cloned monkeys now. Have you seen that? Whoa. Yeah. They've cloned monkeys. Wow. Yeah. They look exactly I knew they were doing goats and pigs and, but okay. Well, yeah. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Clone Wars are coming. 
I like that word clone, but yeah, it's not accurate. It's yeah, not that's all. It's like I, I like it when cannabis adopts science and, and uses correct nomenclature. Like for, sure. for one thing, I've learned uh, we always called the you know when you're looking at the buds, we call them calyxes, the little mm-hmm. the little individual. I learned that's hairs. not the proper botan, but that's not the proper like botanic the hairs, term. They're right? known like as bra- where the hairs come out of the oh, little okay. sort of like it looks kind of like a pear or like a. Anywho, we always called them calyxes for because we didn't know any better, and it turns out. The botanists are like, that's not a calyx, that's a bract. So, oh, like, what? all the gr- a bract, B R A C H T, bract. Mm. Um, I don't know that word. It's a plant word that I didn't know either. And so, all I'm the grow books, here, kids. Yeah, all the grow books that were ever written, all the articles in High Times for decades or whatever, they're all scientifically inaccurate. Yeah. Just in that particular instance, like people call the white stuff. Uh, you know, as we become more scientifically proficient with cannabis. Uh, they used to call it crystals, and now it's resin, right? Right, it's resin. That's the plant. Is but producing. resin's also the residue from burned flowers. So I think that's kind of a conflicting. Yeah, term. it's true. Well, that's probably, but that's probably an inaccurate. Like, there's got to be some other accurate word for yeah. what flower turns into when it's burned. I, right. I wonder what that would be. Yeah, ash. Hopefully, it's more like tar. Yeah, there's definitely byproducts that are sticky and gross. I wonder if that. You know, I know there's no deaths responsible with marijuana, but I wonder if the that tar that will cover a piece is going in your lungs. I mean, some of it, obviously, yeah. Like Hopefully. cigarettes. For sure. Yeah. There's got to be some sort of mm-hmm. kind of emphysema shit you yeah. can catch from cannabis. And we don't ever recommend that people who are new to cannabis begin their use of cannabis by inhaling uh combusted flowers yeah that's the last thing we'll recommend to someone who You'll starts out salves edibles yeah vapor we'll probably start with drops in a tincture um mm. or basically some f- sort of delivery that's familiar to them people already take pills and there's already drops those are both ancient you know yeah. tried and true so that's For where sure. we'll start people out and with drops or pills you can really control your dose and that's the most important factor is using the minimum effective dose or MED. We always tell people you don't need to take any more than you need. There's it won't do it won't do more good. It might actually taking too much might actually have an opposite effect. Um, the way I like to always point this out to folks who so cannabinoids have a biphasic property, which medici- biphasic biphasic medicinally that means um, opposite effect with low and high doses. So the best way I can ex- explain this is with THC is think about when you've been so so high that you didn't want to eat. Mm-hmm. We're like, wow, I am so high. I can, I'm no, I no, keep that food away. You know, that's the biphasic property of THC. Mm-hmm. Of an extreme dose of THC suppresses appetite. Mm-hmm. Once you start processing it and you're coming down a few hours later and later on in the night, now your body reaches a lower threshold and you're Munchies. starving. That's biphasic property of THC. So a lot of times we have to recommend people, hey, this isn't like Advil where if one doesn't do it, then two will. If one doesn't do it, try half of one. It's not like – I'm not saying it's like homeopathy. I'm just saying the, the important part is to get the dose correct. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so, it's not homeopathic. Yeah. It's <laughs> so legit. It's tried and true, right? Yeah. Um, it's not fake. Right. And there's a lot of great research coming out of other countries. That's the great thing about cannabis right now and the, the whole digital revolution is that other – while the United States is lagging – I won't even – we don't – we're not allowed to do scientific double-blind placebo actual medical research on cannabis in the United States because it's federally illegal. So – 
it just doesn't happen here. So we have to get all of our information from other countries. And luckily, there's a lot of good countries doing work. Or I should say a lot of countries doing good work. And that's helpful to us. Like um, Holland? Holland, but Spain, Israel. Um, really? Even India. Israel. Yeah, Israel's where cannabis was... Uh, cannabinoids were... Uh, the THC and CBD molecules were discovered by an Israeli scientist. Oh, word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't seem... Uh, Crazy. They don't seem like cannabis users to me. Although, <laughs> there are a lot of Jews that love the dead and fish. PTSD Have you ever noticed is that? a huge factor for, is- for Israeli citizens as well. Like, if you go to oh a my gosh, show yes. or a dead show, there's a lot of Jews there. Oh, yes. I mean, absolutely. I wonder, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Because I really feel like extended blues and that psychedelic music is uh, perfect for cannabis users. Oh, yeah. You know, it lets sure. your mind wander. It's free. It's mm-hmm. open. It, it can do. It can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. This is true. Yeah. There's, um, I have a lot of, you know, most of my Jewish friends love the dead and fish. It's weird. Sure. Sure. That, that, uh. So, but yeah, but they've been doing cannabis you know, research for Jewish. decades. I just found that out. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, ancestry dot com. Huh? Yeah, like one of my cousins spit in a you know, whatever a tube, oh. and they sent it off, and they're like, "Hey, you're a little uh, as a Kenazi Jew or whatever." Wow. You know, I was like, "Get the!" F-. I wow. had no idea. Crazy. So yeah, shalom. I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that. But, yeah, um, yeah, you're like point one percent Genghis Khan. Of course, everybody. Sure. He like raped every oh, single geez. human being on the in Asia. What a guy! Yeah, yeah. What a, what Hard a worker. Hard work. Yeah, you got to respect Determined. his work ethic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well traveled. <laughs> Strong will. Good um, leader. Well, yeah. So uh, I guess. But, what... but back to uh, I, I think we keep getting what? derailed. I was uh, going down the music rabbit hole, but like, let's go to okay behind the sales team. What's the other team? Involved in like plants and and uh, and like finding the good nugget. I mean, there's got to be that's the person you know. Team. Like, there's always some talent at a wine shop who's finding the hip wine and like who's curating the selection. Mm-hmm. And y'all, do y'all have a guy like this? Yeah, or that's our, our purchasing team with input from me as well. You know, or, or and actually. To be fair, there's um, I has to be input input from the sales yeah because you're in the front lines yeah and um there's actually another manager I have I have a co manager because we have really a huge team and it's really challenging with one person um especially after the new year we we there there used to be a separate team that was more front of house based because um, everybody who came in had to check in and be a part of this medical system and so we had to have like a reception. Um, with, yeah, y'all like lines, right? With adult use, that's not the case. It's like, are you 21 and up? Is your valid ID or is your ID valid? Great, come on in. There's no like check-in process per se anymore. Um, so we didn't need the the reception team. So they got absorbed into the sales team, and their so manager. Y'all don't have waiting rooms anymore. No, you just walk right in, and it's like. But you used to. Uh or like we a lot used, of dispensaries have waiting rooms. Yeah, they would have like two separate rooms. People wait and then they get called into the room yeah. where the cannabis is bought. I think that was probably like more of like a safety factor um, back in the day. Our dispensary was intentionally trying to not operate like other dispensaries. We were intentionally designed to have an open feeling, to have lots of windows um, that looks out to our view, That that's light, lots of lights, big space. So... We were trying to create an environment that was welcoming and open um, because of the fact that so many at the time, so many dispensaries felt like check cashing places or like 
like you felt like you were doing something wrong, even though you weren't. You're doing something you're completely allowed to do, but it, it didn't feel like that as you move through the experience. And Harborside, we're we're definitely trying to make the opposite to be welcoming and no no concerns over safety. And again, like if they want to hang out for two or three hours and just talk shop, they can do it. Really? Oh yeah, people do that. We got, and sometimes they won't even make a purchase, and that's fine. We're there to educate. Um, we don't necessarily use any pushy or like forward sales techniques. Yeah, used we, car sales. We train our staff to listen to people's needs, to hear them, you know, to have active listening skills, to be able to make informed recommendations. What we find is a great way to increase sales is to educate our patients and our clients is to inform them. And then they have more options to choose from. And then they will exercise those options. So it's, it's, it doesn't feel like we're, cause it's medicine for us. Again, we believe it's wellness or, or, you know, health. And med- so we, we definitely have our, are trying to learn this approach of, of making money and increasing sales, but not doing it in a, sl- a sleazy sales driven way. I mean, obviously you've got to increase sales and, get the bills paid and and all that. But we also want to emulate the cannabis values and recognize, you know, not everybody coming through here has got a giant checkbook. Maybe these people are on fixed income. Maybe they're going through hard times. We need to be able to make recommendations to those people that are, are appropriate, you know, for their situation that we hear their needs. Um, So that's, that's, it's challenging, you know, it's, it's, um, but it's also really, really neat to be able to, to see it when it works. Uh, to watch someone, to have someone come back in and, and say something like, I slept better last week since I saw you than I've ever slept my entire life, you know, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, your That's, customers just span all of humanity. Like, you see every yeah. single type of human. Of- yep, <clears throat> every single. Now, we have, you know, specific, like, there's stare, um, trends. You know, I think we see about 70%, 65 or 70% male um, mm. currently. But that's drop. It used to be like seventy five, eighty. So with the new market, it's it's sort of leveled out, um, and we're not sure exactly why that is. But that is what it is. Uh, There's so an interesting thing. thing that happens in your industry that doesn't happen in mine. I don't think, although other things happen in mine that would make people get off the train, like alcoholism. But. Uh, there's this one psychoactive uh, property of cannabis that leads to paranoia, mm-hmm. and that's like you know other than the kind of tar and lung damage. I think that's the other kind of the dangerous side. I mean, there's obviously tons of dangerous sides to alcohol, but um, the dangerous side, and I don't know if it's dangerous as much as just cautionary yeah. side of mar- uh, marijuana where uh, you can get so uh, lost in thought and have heightened kind of you know borderline mm-hmm. psychotic mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah. Um, I've heard that described by people I know. Like, I, I know Jello Biafra from Dead Kennedys used to smoke and stop because he was like, I was just getting too paranoid. And I think yeah. I have, I've heard that from several people. Yeah. <clears throat> so for those people, nowadays there's CBD where it's like, this will take care of the pain, but it won't mess your brain up. Right. So that's an exciting And there move. are even anti-anxiety properties to CBD. Huh. It, 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 for a lot of folks it can counter affect the THC, the psychoactivity of THC. It can counter affect, even if someone's having a, a nervous breakdown or, or a panic attack, giving them a, a pretty targeted dose of CBD can actually reduce the intensity of that panic attack. Even if it's not THC panic, mm. if it's just stress from every day. Um, 
So CBD is a pretty cool compound, and we're still learning a lot about it. Um, but yeah, and we're also finding that being that balancing CBD into the THC experience can help, if not remove or prevent, if it doesn't prevent, it can help minimize that anxiety that a lot mm. of people experience. And, and what that comes down to is finding the particular ratio of CBD and THC that's going to work best for the for the person for the individual individual user. Um, sometimes half THC and half CBD is is actually we call that the golden ratio for so many people. Equal parts THC and CBD, you get the effect of of, of psychoactivity, but it's really calm and and mindful and present. And um, the best way I can describe that feeling of equal parts THC and CBD is almost like a runner's high. Like you, you just exercise. So you're a little bit like, like endorphins. Yes, exactly. And that's what we find out is, is dopamine. Exactly. But you're still, you can focus and like, um, and the way that CBD and THC interact, they have synergistic effects on medicinal benefits of cannabis, but CBD has a suppressive effect on the THC's psychoactivity and angst and, and sort of like you were talking about paranoid paranoia. Those are considered, um, I think, medically you would call it acute negative symptoms of of thc you know so so for some people that buzzy racy feeling is good because they're depressed and lethargic but for other people who are wound up and stressed that buzzy anxious feeling is bad um cbd was with was was in cannabis for eons as probably a, a much higher balance but when cannabis use started or sorry when cannabis growing was forced to go like underground in the illegal market and people were just trying to grow levels in the plant because of the fact that it, if I happen to grow, you know, like when I used to grow, I'd get smoked one seed that grew up and it doesn't really get me high, but I feel really calm. That might've been one of the, I wasn't going to select that one to keep because I wasn't high as a tree lizard. So we just sort of selectively picked high THC plants. And over time, CBD became so rare that you have way more, I think experiences where people, get too high and have a bad time. It seems like the older generations, when they talk about cannabis use before a lot of the super intense indoor growing went on, when you could grow cycle after cycle after cycle in, in, in way less time than in, than in natural yearly cycles, you can only make so much advancement breeding when you're on a yearly farming cycle with cannabis. You can do it once a year and see how the crops grow. When you're growing inside, you could have three, four, five crops a year. So you're making this breeding and selective breed, the selective breeding process that much quicker. And our nutrients have got to be way ramped up from when yeah. the '60s when people were smoking giant joints, mm-hmm. and it was the equivalent of one mm-hmm. hit of today's weed. Yeah, exactly. And and like they're saying, the THC was lower in those in those strains, which also probably meant though that the other cannabinoids were higher. So the the plant can only make so many cannabinoids. So if you're tipping the scales to like all THC, it's like 27 percent THC. Well, that means all the other myriad dozens and dozens of cannabinoids are going to be lower because there's actually one like mother compound that the plant produces that then gets enzymatically acted upon and, and gets turned into the other w- compounds. So CBG is like the stem cell, if you will, of cannabinoids. CBG, depending on what enzymatic process turn into not necessarily as synergistic as we could have effects where you're getting the paranoia. This plant, like we would any other... Uh, medicine <clears throat> and uh, it's through states uh, legalizing for recreational reasons and, uh, and and I think it coincides with like what Michael Pollan was talking about with like psychedelics being studied now uh, for 
you know, like post-traumatic stress and yeah. for getting off of alcohol and for getting off of drugs and for um, dealing with the end of your life. Yeah. You know, like there's all this research being done now and there's these kind of like Sherpas or gurus who will uh, lead you through the trip, according to Michael Pollan. And, uh, and, and you come out with a renewed perspective on life. Yeah. And, you know, I think one thing they're formative, but, but cannabis has always been that gentle nudge to like, everything's going to be fine. Like, yeah. come on, we're on a giant rock hurling through space. Yeah. Let's all just relax. Let's take yeah. it down a notch. Yeah. I think we all got a little worked up there. I think it's time to break it down. Right. I mean, isn't that what cannabis does? It does. It's like a referee. It's like, Hey, easy, easy. Yeah. Hey, get in your corner. <laughs> it gets people present. It's like exactly what you were saying before is when you're present, it's really tough to be, you know, angry about something that happened in the past, you know, um, or anxious about something that you think might possibly happen in the future. So when you're present, it, it homeostasis in humans, I believe personally is, is pleasant. I believe, I don't personally believe that we're violent by nature. I don't personally believe that we're hardwired for competition. I think we're actually hardwired for, cooperation i think we've been convinced by some very clever and sophisticated um you know uh, societal structures whether they're governmental religious or whatever that they've told us that we're that we're warring and competitive and jealous and all these things and i i I actually disagree yeah i think cannabis helps us to touch get in touch with our innate state our homeostatic Co- compassionate cooperative um I, I i truly believe that one thing about the, you bring up not being upset about the past one thing about the past i think has done a great disservice to society is this like um i don't know if it's william randolph Hearst publications or what whoever put out the all the uh, uh marijuana propaganda in fact i think the word <laughs> marijuana itself was some sort of racist shit yeah um you know, and and saying that it's you know marijuana was making Mexicans and black people take all the white women and rape them, and yeah. an awful like ridiculous shit. Yeah, but you know um, that you know that kind of propaganda has these these ripples. You know, it's a seismic effect where you know it's uh, it's been demonized to a point where I feel like it's it's now the time to start looking at these substances that society obviously values and putting them under the microscope and figuring out what they actually do and how to safely use them. You yeah. Know? Cause there's obvious, uh, positive effects from these, uh, chemicals. Yeah. And, and actually watching senior citizens, that's actually one of our fastest growing segments of clients is seniors watching them have the paradigm shift because they've been socialized to think this since because the, I mean, technically, the Marijuana Stamp Act, uh, 1937, was when cannabis was outlawed in the United States on a national, federal level. So any of our grandparents, that's their whole life, and our parents as well. So, I mean, our parents are our grandparents too now. A lot of times, so watching these folks who've had their entire lives of socialization and beliefs formed by this machine of propaganda. Watching them have that paradigm shift is incredible to, to see the fear leave them and to see the relief or if they come back, you know, a week later and they go, oh, my gosh, I didn't have to take but one or two pills that I would normally take two to a day or, you know, they just have some story of like, wow, it's so cool to Life see that happening living. in front of. Yeah, to see you happening in front of you. It's, it's yeah. really cool. I found love. 
I found compassion. Mm-hmm. I found excitement mm-hmm. in the mundane. Yeah, I laughed so much. I laughed. Like, oh my gosh! Uh, I ate all this food. Yeah, yeah. Good. These are great things. Good that times. Can happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good times. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, you're definitely fighting the good fight. I, uh, <laughs> I, I think we're just now getting out of this. You know, Jeff Sessions, um, uh, Reefer Madness era. This this madness where we think this is some big threat to society. Yeah, like cannabis. It's ridiculous. Uh, and he's just no, saber rattling. You like you were like, I'm gonna go. You know, I'm moving to California and I'm gonna join this movement. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> for most of us Texans, it seems like some. You know, fantastic. You might as well be fighting the Battle of Helms Deep. And yeah, I was fighting the Uruk High. Don't you know? Yeah. We're like, no. Here we are in uh, Hobbiton. Yeah, you know it's you true. Know, well, and what's weird is like, gardens. I moved out there to like get on the front lines, and like without intending to even necessarily, just by sort of matter of happenstance and sort of getting to the place and going like, oh well, if you know, if, I can, I could do that. I could get, I could be the. I could get a promotion and just be like a shift lead instead of a associate. And then I was like, Oh, I could, I think I could do a good job being an assistant manager. Like I'll try it out. You know, I just kind of was like, yeah, this seems like a new challenge. Next thing I know, I'm like behind the wheel of the, one of the largest dispensaries with the most clout. Um, and, and yeah, there's documentaries know, made about our crazy. Side. I'm like, Ellie mentioned in every, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, seriously, I'm out. Lines. I'm doing it. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's really cool. Um, it I think about, cool. uh, it seems like, you know, because I do it every day and it's the grind. But when I take a step back and realize, like, this is like worldwide stuff that's going on here Absolutely. that we're, that we're, you know, we got like Spanish TV in here today. I'm like, they want to get an interview. Like, all right, sure. Okay. Like, yeah. who, who are you again? CNN? Okay, sure. Whatever. Like, another guy with a camera that wants to get, a, you know, some B yeah. footage or whatever. Like, yeah. Gotcha. No problem. Um, can we film a transaction? Like, sure. Whatever. You know, yeah. make, you know, this is open we're we're not we've nothing to hide here you know have y'all had any violent uh aggression no not really nice. we've we've gotten know, really to play you know, like up, windows like... broken by like vandals or whatever yeah. but like nobody's we don't nah it's it's re- i tell people the closest metaphor i can explain to what goes on at harborside is like in the like if you watch the nature documentary and you're watching the like african savanna Right. And then there's like this one watering hole during the dry season and all the animals eventually are going to wind up at this one watering hole. But there's this weird and it's real. There's a weird unspoken thing when you're at the watering hole. You don't eat the other animals, you know, like the lions drink by the zebras and the whatever. Well, but that's the thing. The alligators are the feds. They'll eat, they'll eat anybody because they live in the fucking way. Yeah. The, but so everybody's, but everybody's on team. We hate the feds. We hate the Crocs, you know, or whatever that. Yeah. So like, Don't, it's a tr- weird. We're all trusting each other except for We're all here to guys. survive. We're all here. Yeah. We, we might be Raiders fans or Niners fans or from San Francisco or Oakland or young or old or light or dark or whatever. But we're all here because we need this medicine. We're all here because we need this water, right? This, yeah. And while we're here, we're going to get along. And we're going to be grateful that we have this place to come to, even though in the real world we're fighting and we're, you know, rooting against each other or whatever. Um, But in here, we're all the same. We're all special. We all get treated the same. And and that's what we try to do is like, I don't care if you have a million dollars or like ten dollars, you're going to get the absolute best treatment we can give you. 
and and meet your needs and that way you everybody feels welcome nobody feels like oh i can't give a we don't even accept tips like that way people who have money to tip don't get undue influence or special treatment mm-hmm. you know or even if they don't cuz we wouldn't operate that way it doesn't give the impression to the other clients that they might be right. you know it's it's we're we're really trying to go the extra mile to create a uh an all welcoming environment of um you know, to, lead, to set an example, to like show people, this is how we do it. This is how it should be done. This is how you can be successful in a capitalistic society without stepping on people's throats to make money, without suppressing the little guy, with, you know, while providing, taking care of your company, providing great benefits, career paths, 401k, da, 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 you know, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, y'all have to be super obsequious and like tiptoe like you know buttoned up service like yeah. everything has to be super above the table like as mm-hmm. in this transitional period it's not like a diner where they're like what the fuck do you want yeah here's your oh, fucking pancakes man. no we're trying to give like nordstrom level yeah. customer service yeah, you know whole, yeah exactly we're oh. trying to do but without m- making it feel like you have to be wealthy to shop that you know it's yeah. like a weird we're we're trying we're i love a good challenge and that's exactly what this is you yeah. know it's like providing high dollar or high class service to every class you know it's pretty cool yeah man uh california so it, it's funny you bring up the uh the uh that's that's uh serengeti environment where all the species have to get along together yeah. because <clears throat> back to the wine world uh there's uh one uh chain store that makes uh everybody go get their purchase orders at the same time hmm. so you have all the companies punching their orders in the same room in a very tight wow. little confined and everyone gets along. Yeah. Because in this space we're all There's just a... drinking water. <laughs> yeah. That's how you do we it. We all need water. Let's all let's let's be cool. Let's be cool. Yeah. Spirits guys, fucking wine yeah. guys, you know, this yeah. company, that company, like we're all gonna We're all just We're all gonna be here together. We're gonna drink water. And then we're going to go back and then just compete again. Yeah. Then we'll go get our <laughs> Next year our... during the dry season, we'll see each other again. We'll always look out for the feds. Yeah. The, there's the crops. two dry seasons a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Y'all are different than you. It is. No, it's funny. Though. It, it's interesting comparing the two industries because they're really, you know, just as dangerous and, and fun and and uh, mm-hmm. wild as as the other. You know, they, they have different chemical, like different properties and effects, but... Um, I don't know. I think they're both pretty harmless and and fun little accoutrements yeah. to the daily grind. And it'll be neat to find out what commonalities there are between the industries and the and the and the plants and the you know the processes and where each can influence each other for positive. Yeah. You know, it'll be neat. Yeah, we're definitely uh, a lot know. of Napa growers of grapes have little secret gardens of cannabis even if they're not users just because it's such a fun plant that never understood why the botanists of the world and the plant lovers of the world even if they're not cannabis users why they're not like clamoring for cannabis legality and and, because you can grow this plant that can have so many different smells and 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 structures and like it's so customizable like you want something that smells like blueberries you can get that you want something that smells like cat piss you got that too you want want purple yeah, you want something that smells like grapes. You want something that smells yeah. like gasoline. You want something that smells like Mist. pepper. It it, it, it can produce so many compounds. Skunk. Yeah, it's 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 like like just like roses. People are like making all these different combinations and colors and smells. Like, why aren't we doing this with cannabis? Like, yeah. how how is this slipped under the radar? Yeah. Get out, I'm, I imagine like 
hotels with like cool like because it's an annual so you could put it in and it grows and it blooms and then you could put another one in they have some that turn pink they have some that turn purple we mm. got it's crazy it's i i it's a really fun plant man i'm getting hungry uh <laughs> when you're in california and you think back about your time in austin like what do you miss the most other than the people wow the people yeah the people yeah that doesn't count that's obvious yeah, um, like what are the foods and uh, i mean like clubs or whatever I would probably say the authentic old school, you know, Tex-Mex kind of stuff. The the like tourist food, basically. Yeah, you and Tex-Mex. Yeah, food. I mean that's because yeah, because that's what our that's our that's our national Texan cuisine. You know, I those think are the first restaurant we, I went to here was Thundercloud Subs with yeah. you. And I was like, man, this place is pretty. This cool. is all right. I like this. Yeah. Um, Got some like Italian sub, and I was like, "All right, yeah, yeah I I'm gonna, I need to stop at Thundercloud for sure." It. Yeah, but just like the, um, you know, like, oh god, it's not even around anymore. It was, in, it was on South Congress at Old Torf. It was a, a tamale house. It was, uh, it was just like straight Mexican food, you know, mm-hmm. or Tex-Mex. I mean, it's, it's Mexican because it's. Was it called Tamale House? Might have been. Sounds. Yeah, it might have been. Um, but I liked that. I liked Mi Madres. Um. Uh, you know, just old school Mexican food. Matt's El Rancho. Oh my Matt's God, what a burger! Yeah, man. When so I so you Ubered to Whataburger. I Ubered to Whataburger. Like we Ubered last to my night. house, and then you Ubered to Whataburger, and then like an hour Ubered. later. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that work? You're like, hi, can you take me to get some fast food? You just change your destination. You so you get, you you call them from where you're at, and you put them to Whataburger, and then halfway to Whataburger, you just change the destination to back to where you came from. <laughs> But or you know right when you're right around the corner from Whataburger and it just charges you by the mile or the time so it ended up costing me like eleven bucks to go to Whataburger. Oh worth goodness. it. Worth it. Yeah, yeah. Even so worth it. I would have paid twenty bucks. Yeah, I didn't get my fries. That is That's okay. Akash was nice enough to split his with it, me. Well, he was. Yeah, he gave him right back up. You're like, here's your fries. Give him back. Oh, Whataburger, so <laughs> like, good. I'm gonna need those back. So good. Yeah, <laughs> I miss Whataburger. So yeah, I usually come. Uh, I usually go to Whataburger straight off the plane and then, um, you know, some barbecue joints in, in Houston that are just maybe not necessarily what I think is is my favorite barbecue, but I've been eating at those spots since I was a kid. Like so it just company? tickles. Exactly. Yeah. Good company. Like they're 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 baked It's consistent. Yeah. It's, it's always going to be a B grade. Sometimes you might get an A minus, yeah. you know, like it's always going to be there. Oh, I know. And the flavors, you know, that's just the, what it's I want. Classic. And then fajitas, like I got to go to, I'll usually go to Papacitos or something for fajitas. Um, and then anywhere I can get the old school Tex-Mex cheese enchiladas with the chili gravy, which is mm-hmm. just brown turkey gravy from European Classic cuisine enchiladas. mixed with shit tons of chili pe- powder. Yeah. Like that's all it is. Yeah. And yeah, that's something that's Tex-Mex. Time. That's unique to Texas. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if you can get that kind of stuff out like in neighboring states. It's hard to find. Yeah, Arkansas. Fried ranchero beans, <sighs> Spanish rice. Love it. Lard, homemade. Cream, oh, man. Pico de gallo. Yeah. Guacamole. And then because the, they didn't have refrigerators, the Velveeta cheese product was ideal. Queso. Yeah. So they would mix that with half Velveeta and then half whatever cheese they had around and then add some whipping cream. And There's you can't your queso. get this kind of food in Oakland? No. Really? Unless I make it. Yeah. So I make my own queso homemade. You make your own queso. One part Velveeta, one part whatever cheese I feel like. Yeah. Whip, heavy Rotel, whipping cream. right? Don't they use Rotel? I don't mess with the Rotel because something about it, I feel like it makes the cheese, after an hour or two, it get, the cheese starts getting grainy. And I'm wondering if that's from the like citrus juices mixing oh. with cheeses. So citrus and cheese, I feel like makes it. And there's cream? Oh, yes. Heavy whipping cream. Heavy whipping cream, yeah. 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 And that makes, yeah. And then, uh, Diced tomatoes, jalapenos, onions, mm-hmm. cilantro, whatever you feel Garlic. like. 
I could put garlic powder in there. I don't usually put garlic pieces, but garlic powder yeah. is, was definitely an option. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I make barbecue, the barbecue, Tex-Mex, yeah. Whataburger. Those are like... Rinse you, and repeat. You know, those are what pretty you much, think yeah. about while you're in California. Yes, a lot. Because when I live in California, I, li- I live in San Diego, and there was amazing Mexican food. I mean, oh, really yeah. amazing. There's like, good Mexican, Mexican food, but it's different. English that are just... Like they make these burritos with French fries and yeah. like carne asada. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god! Oh yeah, I dream about that. Yeah, there's good Mexican food. It's just different, and so I eat a lot of it. I like, you know, I like the Mexican food out there, but it's not what I'm. It doesn't have the same flavors and level of spice that I'm generally looking for. Mm-hmm. I found that spicy out on the West Coast is like medium or mild out here, mm. for instance. Um, with regards to Mexican food, like it just doesn't it doesn't come as spicy. Yeah. Um, if I'm looking for spicy food, I'll usually go Asian. Man, the shit I think about uh, California from here is like the places like Slanted Door and like the the raw food and like um, mm-hmm. San Francisco, uh, the fish the sourdough from Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah. The um, like the. Um, Ferry building and just like how oh my gosh yes. you know how diverse the folks are around there and mm-hmm. you've got extreme poverty and extreme wealth all interacting and you're slurping oysters and you're like you're there's this guy with a huge drum rig outside just banging drums and uh, you got all these uh, people catching planes and arriving and uh, man that's a special place it really is it's, and, a, and, it's a busy city you know you got Anchor Steam from there which is a pretty oh, yeah. legendary beer. A lot of I think about breweries in California all the oh, yeah. time. Like y'all, y'all have the best breweries like Lagunitas and Stone and <clears throat> Firestone Walker and yeah. Anchor Steam and all these people are. I mean, it's Sierra just, Nevada, kind of Sierra the original, Nevada. the original nationwide oh, craft God. brewery. Yeah, like the that's the gateway drug. Yeah. People talk about cannabis being a gateway. Yeah, no, Sierra, Sierra Nevada, Nevada Pale gateway. Ale was yeah. the one. Yeah, that Green Label. That's your gateway drug. Yeah. Yeah, and they do good work. They got a lot of brews. Yeah, they've got breweries all over the well, country. One the breweries right? out there are really cool too. It's Bear it's, Republic. Yeah. Oh, psh. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Russian River Brewing Russian Company. River, yeah. Anderson like, Valley Solar Power Brewery. Anderson Valley, yeah. Great Boonville. spot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh there's Great also spot. North Coast Brewing uh, mm-hmm. in Fort Bragg. Well, now they're getting local stuff. So there's like um Ghost Town Brewery that just opened up in Oakland. Mm. Uh, we've got Alameda. They've got craft cocktail like we got craft gin. Uh, what's the name of it? Um, wow, I can't believe it's slipping my mind. But it's local, right? Right in town. Um, yeah, there, it's 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 cool. It's it's well, definitely. Anchor makes Junipero, right? Yes, gin. Yes, that I'm thinking of a different spot, though. Gin. Kind of a different. Yeah, spot. man. At the top, of Anchor Brewing is a bar with like their 40 year old Añejos, the extra Añejos from Chinaco. Oh my and, like, lord! 40 year old like Ben Riox and and uh, Glendronic scotches and and. Uh, like all the fanciest shit from that anchor imports uh, book wow. is on this this rooftop above a distillery overlooking all of San Francisco. It's an amazing place. You should try to figure out a way to get up there. They must have events up there, but it's such a cool vantage point. And you get to drink all these fantastic old spirits that you know, like uh, what's another one? Luxardo, all those Luxardo products that's there. Whoa. Um, so that that's a really cool part in San Francisco that I think of uh, often. But it's um, man, it's it's really expensive. Like the only negative thing I'm hearing about that part of the world is it's so expensive now, you know. Right. And there's also really some disgusting shit going on. Like I, last time uh, Malia and I went, 
There was dudes with needles hanging out of their arms, people taking shits in the park. Like, oh, yeah. You know, the smell of human waste was so strong in yeah. very busy parts of the city. Oh, yeah. That I was, you know, that was a turnoff. As much as I love that city, like, there's definitely some greasy shit going down. Well, the, is... the weather in the Bay Area is ideal for homelessness. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Is like you can live in a tent in the Bay Area year round. There's never a point where, like, out here, it's going to burn you out or for us other places it'll freeze you out. But the Bay Area is definitely a mecca for homelessness. For better or worse, you know, that is what it is. Um, it's definitely something that's being addressed right now. They're building, like, little um, tough shed cities with job yeah. training and stuff. And like it's, I mean, it sounds heartless to talk about, but it is gross. No, it's, it's reality. No, I it's, mean, this it is sucks. a society. Smells... It's like an expensive place to oh, be. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to watch dudes taking shits in the park. Oh, yeah. It's it's bad. It's, uh, I mean, this is not India. No, it's bad. It's it's um And it's unfortunate, really. Yeah. The... Uh, it's definitely an issue out there. It's a big city. It's It's got everything. It's got all of it. Yeah. All the things. Yeah, I mean, I think we're a similar size city, and it's mm-hmm. so you don't see that here. Mm-mm. No, no, no. I'm no, not no. saying we're crime-free in Austin. I'm just saying that's, there's an exceptionally oh, an, greasy part. Yeah, and that's a much well. older city with the same kind of problems that old old cities have, like yeah. New York and Chicago, yeah. where you're like exactly this like, immense stratification of wealth. Mm-hmm. I don't think you quite have that here in Austin, like... Not yet. Yeah, exactly. Not We're yet. We're working on it. <clears throat> yeah, sure like are. The skyline here is crazy these yeah. days. Growing. I mean, when I moved here, I remember the Frost Tower looked like this <laughs> enormous monstrosity. Yeah. Now it's not even bef- close to the Before all the rules building. got changed where they can make taller buildings now. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a, for a long time, the Capitol building had to be the tallest building. Yep. Remember yeah. that? Times they are changing. Yeah, I mean, shoot. I moved here in 96 which was apparently, uh, according to the experts, about five or six years after the cool factor of Austin peaked out. Oh. Theoretically. Like, it was it was the best Austin, Austin coolest original, like, in it's the 70s and 80s. 70s and 80s, you know, was when it was mecca Austin. And then by the 90s, that's when the Keep Austin Weird bumper sticker was invented. And, like, once that happened... It's you're not you can't put you can't have bumper stickers that say keep Austin weird or it's that's part of the thing that's not. So apparently I got here like when it was still awesome, according to the experts, but on its way down. And I feel like, you know, down. It's still great. I mean, it's not down. I was like, being being an uncrowded artistic mecca, you know, whereas now it's got these it's a small town that still has these artistic mecca values. But it's also being having big city shit shoved down its throat Absolutely. by investment and gen, you know gentrification and people moving here and yeah. the the housing crisis in California was a huge factor of it that was one of my biggest rubs before I left was like man all these people fleeing this place where they're losing their houses and they're selling them for a loss and coming here and buying two of them being shitty landlords this ain't cool you know um so and that's funny cuz it's kind of what's going on out there now is like everybody's moving out there and being you know, prices are going up and stuff. Yeah, everyone moved from San Francisco to <laughs> Oakland. Now Oakland's unaffordable, so yeah. they're moving out to yeah. like Sacramento, Portland, Portland. Sa- well, yeah, or or here, but they're moving, like uh, further east, out of the bay. Yeah, no, you're right. East of the bay, it's true. Yeah, into that kind of wasteland of California that's actually not beautiful. You're like, I'm in West Texas the- all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has an air conditioning in their house and a swimming pool. Like, what right. the hell? Yeah, 
You know, what is this, this is weird? Town? And it's 108 degrees and my allergies are acting up. This is bullshit. Yeah, this is not California. And I still have to pay all these t- taxes? Like, yeah. this is not California for me. Yeah, no, man. But I do rem- I miss those burritos with fries in them. God. Yeah, California. So my new, because Tex-Mex was kind of my staple out here. My new staple is like Asian, just whether it's Japanese yeah. or Cambodian or yeah. Burmese or just all these. Man, I went to that Cantonese restaurant with you last time. And, and I, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, every time I go to like a natural spring, like I'd been in Calistoga Hot Springs that day, the mud bath, mm-hmm. I get violently ill. Every single time, like it happened, in, it happened in Niigata, Japan. It happened in Ojo Caliente, New Mexico. It happened in fucking Calistoga, where like because they're like unchlorinated, just natural springs that naked people have been getting in for thousands yeah. of years. There's all sorts of bacteria in them, Shit. and they like probably crawl in my ass and just like <laughs> get in my digestive system. And like two hours wow. later, every time I puke my soul out. Wow. So we were at that Cantonese restaurant. I was like, I, I, I'm losing my appetite. Oh, yeah, like Cambodian every, one. Yeah, Batambang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Was, what is it called? Batambang. Batambang. <laughs> uh, so I was like, man, I, I'm losing my appetite. Like, this happened before every freaking time. Like, Fuck. Malia and I went to this nice Santa Fe restaurant, and it was just two hours after the hot baths. Jeez. The mineral baths. Same thing with Niigata. Like, we got out of the onsen, which is what they call their their mineral baths. The most beautiful place I've ever been in. I can like, only imagine. Like a natural spring on a snowy bank overlooking a river in front of a mountain yeah. that's covered in snow with like bonsai trees growing out of it. I was <laughs> like, this is so beautiful. And like snow, it was like, you know, in the end scene of Kill Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Like just gently drifting snow. Oof. Anyway, I was like, I want to stay in here the rest of my life. I'm naked with all these dudes I just met. Uh, <laughs> this is an amazing experience. And, uh, and anyway, we sit down for like, you know, more raw fish. Oof. And I'm like, no, this is not happening. No, no. God uh, dang. And so like, I, yeah, I, I puked my face off five, four or five times dang. that night. So sorry. I don't know why that happens. It's such a bummer. Yeah. But this bacteria just eats me up. Like, I don't get dang. sick. Like, I'm not like some weak constitution, like always kind of sniffly guy. Like, weird. But if I get in a mineral bath, I'm going to be puking my face off. So we were in that Cantonese restaurant, and I was waiting for the goddamn bathroom. Cambodian. Cambodian. Yeah, yeah. And if the lady wouldn't get out of the bathroom. I'm like, you know, like, get out of there. Like, what? I've been waiting for 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm about to puke. Part of me wants to know what's going on in there. What is happening in that bathroom? I don't want to know what's going on in there. Yeah, so finally this lady comes out, and I vomited all over her outside oh, the no. bathroom. Just so like sorry. an inch of vomit on yeah, the floor. Yeah. And oh, I was my like, God. What were you doing in there? She's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I was like, you were in there so long. There's no natural function that takes that long. Like, there's no reason. You know there's only one bathroom in this place. I should have gone out to the street. Oh, it would have yeah. been a lot smarter. Right. Instead of being like, trying to be And you could have helped contribute with that authentic human waste smell of yeah, the yeah, area. Yeah, exactly. I could have been part of the problem. <laughs> part of the problem. With the human stench. <laughs> and That's uh, not dog filled. vomit. <laughs> that's our favorite joke. You can't really that's poop. not. You don't think that's dog poop, do you? you can't that's not dog poop. Vomit. Uh, so anyway, man, that was that was. It's funny that shit keeps happening to me. Last time we were in an Asian restaurant. Well, was, we'll have to go also, back to Batambang without you going without, to Springs. Yeah, no natural Springs. What was that uh, juice bar we went to by uh, your old place? Because oh. remember before we went to Fairly Well. Or Santa, yeah, fairly well, Santa Clara. Yeah, that place is gone now. It didn't. It's weird. They didn't. 
That place was badass. I know. I went there a lot, and apparently I was the only one that went there. Yeah, they, it was great. It was reasonably priced. It yeah. was the people worked Delicious. there were nice. I cannot remember the name of it. Oakland great Juice book. Co. Yeah, Oakland, Oakland Juice Co. Juice gone. It's a great name too. Yeah. I mean, like they got that. Yeah, man. Oakland Juice Co. I I will say I was I was really bummed when I got to the Bay Area to find that the vegetarian options and the juice bar options. Austin spoils us rotten. Like yeah. that's the bottom. That's what I realized is like there's so many. Veggie. Even if you go to the barbecue joint, they have like the at least recognized veggie. They'll be like vegetarian plate, and it's like fried okra and mac and cheese, and you know no vitamins whatsoever. But at least they're acknowledged here, you know, and like recognized. And yeah. to me, some of the Everyone finest vegetarian restaurant I've ever been to are Austin, yeah. you know. <clears throat> and so I moved out there thinking it was going to be like, oh, you know, and it just wasn't. There, yeah, there's good ones, but they're I think probably you have to look harder, probably for, because Asians love vegetarian food. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah no, tofu, I'm not talking. Yeah, obviously you can go protein. to nearly any. Yeah, Asian, there's very little dairy. Yeah, I meant more of just like this, like idea that hey, this is a juice bar. We make smoothies in Oakland, and, at least in the city. Juice. I could be wrong. In the city, there's probably neighborhood juice joints and blah blah blah. That yeah, I'm talking about where I live at in yeah, Oakland yeah. on the East Bay. It just doesn't seem like we're quite there yet. What's your um, uh, music venue? Ooh, uh, we've got the Fox Oakland. That's a good one. Fox. Yeah, uh, see good music there. Um, there's another one, the UC Berkeley Theater. A lot of good acts come through there. What about obviously, where the Dead used they, to play? Yeah, like obviously, the Oakland Coliseum. I was gonna say, oh yeah, Oakland Coliseum. I just that's where I saw Paul Simon last week. It's yeah. now called Oracle uh, Oracle Arena. Paul I Simon saw I saw the awesome Dead there. I saw the further there at that stadium in like 2000 New Year's Eve 2001 into 2002. I think is what that was. Um, I saw the dead there with Parker. We nice. met up way out and uh, the, his, further, uh, the further. He's a dead Parker Trevathan has a dead band in China. Was it, it Beijing Dead? That's right. Yeah, Beijing Dead. I think that's wow. the name of it. Wow. I gotta I gotta write him an email. Yeah, I think they're on YouTube. You can catch a few shows. On wow. YouTube. Yeah, very cool. I'll check it out. That's so cool. Like uh, seeing him play. But yeah, the, the the San Francisco venues are off the chain. You're talking the Fillmore, the Warfield, the sure. Great American Music Hall. Bill Graham. Like, these, yeah, these are. Is just, the dead dead in San Francisco? Like, oh. are they still? Do they have any presence? Yes, like, tremendously. Is, are, they should be. Uh, they're they like should a be statues. national archive. This would be I mean, a Jerry they're getting there. They San do Jerry Appreciation Days at baseball games, and like they, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like there's. The dead permeate the Bay Area's culture, Good. absolutely. And then, of course, the Phil's venue, Terrapin Crossroads, possibly my favorite venue on planet Earth. In San um, Rafael. In San Rafael, and exactly. you get to go regularly. Get, yeah, it's yeah. pretty sweet. Jelly. I used to have a car, and I could drive there, and it'd take about 25 minutes door-to-door. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so really nothing. And yeah. then now I, I don't have a car, so I take public transport. Exactly. Yeah. No public, no car now, so I do public transport. So it'll take. I'll take the train up to like the northernmost station, and then I'll get on an Uber from there to San Rafael, and it costs me like fifteen, twenty bucks total. On a train? Um, well, the train's gonna be like six bucks, and then the Uber. The train will be goes like, all the way to San Rafael? No, not quite. It goes up to almost even with San Rafael, but on this side of the bay. And then you Uber? I get Uber across the bridge into San Rafael, and it takes like ten minutes from nice. that point, and it only costs me like twenty bucks total. You know? Oh yeah. And then I'll just Uber all the way home. And so the typical show will be three hours? Yeah. I'll try and get there early and do dinner, though. Usually. Dinner. Yeah. How's the food? Fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic. And they have Pretty like reasonably Napa priced. Wine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Napa wine. Good selection of beer. 
alcohol, like booze. Yeah. Local ingredients, sustainably sourced, the whole, you How know, blah, blah. Like when Phil's playing his mindless or whatever in the main room. In the, so they have the, they have the, the great room the is great the venue room. that's off of the restaurant that's separate from the restaurant. And that seats, they, they say it seats 420 in the great room. That's the max capacity, 420. That's well, probably like five. I love that. Uh, yeah, probably a few more. But the, then in the restaurant, there's a stage in the center of the restaurant that's only a foot or, you know, 18 inches off the ground. And all of the tables, it's not like a circle, but all of the tables kind of are in different areas. But each table, there's speakers in the ceiling. So even if you can't see the music happening from your table, and a lot of the tables you can perfectly see the music happening, you can hear it like incredibly with perfect speakers. And it's like exactly what you would think the dead would do if they were going to like make a, well, I want to make a music venue slash restaurant and I'm going to make it sound exactly perfect. It's. And that's, so Phil has uh, Terrapin Crossroads. Bobby has Sweetwater. Sweetwater. And you've been to both. Oh, yeah. And Bobby, it, what are the differences and similarities between Sweetwater and Sweetwater Terrapin? is smaller, definitely more intimate. I mean, and it, did Bobby build Sweetwater? No, I think he, or did he, I think he it or? rescued it or like revived it or something. It was oh. like an old music hall that's like uh, historic. Um, got and they because they used to have because you can listen to like um Jerry and John Kahn tapes from Sweetwater Music Hall in the 70s and wow. stuff. It was like a local venue that people played at, but it was real small, it's really small. Um, there's no, I mean, it probably seats like god, if the great room seats 400, I bet the Sweetwater is like 200, if that. It's a really tiny venue, and um, okay, so it's half the size, it's about half the size, yeah, and it's shaped differently. The the Terrapin Crossroads is shaped kind of like how the old Antones was, where it's like a rectangle, and then the stage is in the center of the long side, oh, and there's a really? bar on one side, not ideal, real boxy. It still shit. sounds great. The cool thing about Terrapin is that it provides a wide range, like everywhere it can see, you're not ever too far back because it's a long, you know what I mean? So yeah. you're never more than 15 people deep, like. And that's the plus to it. I, I, I gather that because I'm with you. I kind of prefer less boxy. I like the Paris style where it's like more rectangular, like you're in a shoebox and the band's at one side and mm-hmm. the soundboard's kind of three quarters back in the yeah. middle and you can stand right in front of the soundboard. It sounds perfect. I love that setup. That's it's classic. about the size of the Parish. Well, no, it's a little smaller. But it's wide like Anton's. Yeah. Or the old Anton's. And Sweetwater Anton's is different. different. Sweetwater's got a stage, like a wooden stage, old school stage, and then it's got seats on on one side of it and seats on the other and then more of an open dance floor but as you get about halfway two-thirds of the way back there's a little bit of a step up and then there's another little step up so the bar opposite the stage is a little higher off the ground and if you're a little further back you'll probably be able to get up on one of the steps and see better Mm. and it's a deeper venue but it's old and intimate mm, i've uh, never been uh, to either i can't yeah. wait to go well yeah when y'all come out we'll just plan to go to both because they have music far? at both places uh both places are within a half hour drive from yeah, where i live yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so mill valley is that yeah so that's okay that's it's just another little neighborhood uh or a little small town north of san francisco and do phil and bobby play together yeah you'll see them uh sitting with each other rarely at their venues yeah. usually and usually it'll be Bobby over at Terrapin. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen Phil jam out at Sweetwater. Mm. Bobby definitely gets around more. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, man, we, I, I want to wrap this up about Mikado. Um, so, obviously, the dead were a big part of Mikado. I think everyone in the band were deadheads, and that was kind of like the unifying force. Like, Jerry, mm. I felt like Jerry was kind of our... Uh, 
the god of Mikado. <laughs> yeah, know, like everyone has to come with it. We have to practice a lot, and we have to keep an open mind. And this music can go anywhere, and we have to yeah. give it space to breathe and grow. Yeah. Um, and then, and it's funny, you know, I wanted to like rap with you because I can't re- remember how Jerry Fest went. So. I think it used to be called the Jerry Garcia birthday celebration or something, birthday yeah. festival or something. I birthday think it's birthday cel- birthday bash, birthday celebration. Oh, okay. Anyway, it was like Flounders without without eyes would have like six or seven bands, and we were the only band that would play all dead. Like, yeah. Like Mikado showed up with like a full dead set. <laughs> yes. You know, like, and determined. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. You know that was a. It was funny how we kept finding excuses. To play this music, mm-hmm. um, whether it was in your the back room of Houston, in your parents' backyard, or uh, the the pier in Belize, or uh, you know the, the uh, what was that place, um, you know Moon River outside oh in the God. hill country or whatever, you yeah. know like we've, the pier out on Lake mm-hmm. Austin, like we've played this music so many places. Yeah, and it's such the. Uh, the story of America in a lot of ways in a, yeah. a certain countercultural vein. And, uh, man, it was, it was cool to, to start, uh, bringing that back and keeping that fresh in my life, you know, cause I was definitely in a, in a phase when Mikado, you know, cause I think the reason, uh, like Mikado broke up was, uh, case moved away to, to be with his old band, yeah. Jumbo special. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it was definitely a very much a symbiotic band. Um, yeah. So, when he moved, like, I was like, well, I still want to make original music. Even though you played it, nobody. It's yeah. so amazing yeah. playing original music. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I met Joe at that time. And, and right when I got back from my first trip to France, Joe had all this music with the Bozar. So I felt like I was already ha- yeah. I already knew that band very well, even though I, I just met Joe. So we made original music for four, four, three or four years at least until... We had the idea, oh, here comes the dead again, creeping into yeah. our mindset. Yeah. And, like, no one came to the trim shows, even though I think the trim is, in a lot of ways, better than Dead Eye because we were just creating music that I think is great. And yeah. I'm hoping to use this podcast as a way to show off some of that music. Uh, but I have a feeling I'll just get stuck on the same two sound bites over and over. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, um, when when uh the whole tribute band scare in austin happened while you're gone in, in in oakland it was because like dead eye just decided to play a show of all grateful dead music and it was very popular and we all made yeah. a lot of money it was like everyone's heads turned you know it was like Whoa. and before you know it there was a fish band Market. a bowie band yeah. a string cheese band a uh, fleetwood mac band yeah. a petty band like all these bands came out of nowhere a ween band Every big city has that, and I think Austin finally grew up big enough to get that because yeah. that exists where I'm at. I mean, obviously, they're dead, but like, a dead there's band. there's a there's a cover band for everything out there. Yeah, you know, all female Led Zeppelin cover band. There's yeah, we so have that that's, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, is that like a franchise? I don't know. I think I don't know. I've never seen them, but I've heard I've heard they're a killer. Yeah, there's Hell's Bells here. There's Poon that does nice. ween. Hell's Bells oh, obviously is an ACDC yeah. female tribute. Huh. Uh, but yeah, like the female. It just seems like that he, it's an, eventual, an eventuality. Like it's an, or an inevitability of, yeah. a, of a growth of a music scene. The sad thing is it really kills a lot of, like all that energy spent on playing other people's <laughs> music could be spent making new music, which is something I'm very much still, you know, in the back of my yeah. head. I'm still figuring out a way to make 
original music or at least like learn classic forms of music you know like yeah i remember trying out for the afrobeat band i, I wasn't good enough for that band and the the drummer they got is uh, bidwell is amazing um so i you know and i remember like learning reggae with chris greenwood uh from mikado and like yeah i'm not very good at this music either but th- these are all like you could spend a lifetime learning these forms you know i have tablas i was trying to learn indian music um so you know i just feel like uh it's a great distraction but at the same time you know people uh, artists want to play in front of crowds and they want they need mm-hmm. to make money like a lot of these guys that's the only feed the belly yeah i'm not you know i'm kind of in a privileged position where i have a, a day job um, yeah yeah you know, if this podcast doesn't ruin that, uh, then, you know, I mean, so there's a financial burden on the band, you know, which was never really something I ever envisioned with music. But now I understand a lot, you know, like how gig culture, like, don't you feel like these days people just have a lot of gigs yeah. instead of like a career? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Like you can drive an Uber and dog walk mm-hmm. and play music mm-hmm. and, you know, be a barista or whatever. Yep. I'm sure you're making 60 grand a year, but you're just doing, you know, you're getting your money from different places. Yep. Yep. Especially out here. I could see that it's more challenging in the Bay area because of the cost of living. Um, but I, I definitely feel that in Austin, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how it was before I left too. Yeah. It's, and that's a good thing. I mean, if, if people can have, especially with the ride share thing now, man, if they had ride shares when I was, it's amazing. I would have made, that would have been my, yeah. DUI insurance. That's, yeah. that's well, problem. and just being able to make money on your time. Yeah. You're like, oh, I've got a gig tonight. I don't work. Yeah. I'll work tomorrow and the next day, you know, or whatever. Right. Like, that's Imagine when incredible. we have robotic uh, self-driving cars and they can do oh, Uber rides for us at night while we're asleep. <laughs> wow. You yeah. know, your vehicle just goes and does that while you sleep. Like, eight hours of work. Would I get paid or would the vehicle get paid? How's that work? You, the vehicle, <laughs> but it would go to you. I know. It would roll up to you. So anyway, let's uh, back to Mikado. Yeah, Mikado. So uh, the, um, the 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 music I want to close on is uh, I, I figured we'd just have a, a giant space jam uh, yeah. at the end. So we played a gig at like Jake's Roadhouse Lubbock. in 2005 or somewhere like that, and uh, one of these Lubbock greasy Roadhouse places. And uh, afterwards, people were like, "You got to keep playing." Yeah, and they didn't have a. PA, we were like, where? So we were like, yeah, we were like, fine. Tell us where to go. It's either that, or we're gonna drink uh, yeah. Lone Stars until six, seven a.m. Yeah, you know, much. like we'd rather play music. And uh, so we went to this place called uh, Space Eleven Ten. Yeah, and we just played like a... spacey as like experimental psychedelic music. Yeah, and we had, we didn't sing anything. No we just, words. Just played the weirdest like avant garde uh, music. Yeah, it was. It and was. That's why I love Mikado, and that's why I miss. That's one thing we get to do in Dead Eye is just play weird shit. Yeah. Luckily, but that's like the Freedom of the Dead mm-hmm. catalog mm-hmm. grants you. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, like when I was playing in the Talking Heads band, I didn't know time for you know these spacey, yeah. spacey clicking, ringing feedbacks. Yeah, that's know? all. Yeah, uh, orchestrated, so very straight and robotic. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Like when you're an original band, you can just do whatever you want. You're like, I want to. We need a funky song. We need a samba. We need a, a waltz. We need a, a rocker. We need a closer. We need an opener. You know, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I, if I knew how to write music, I would still be very much into yeah. 
doing all that. I just suck at writing music, man. Me too. And I have to keep falling back on this dead catalog, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, luckily, you know, you can just keep growing with that music. And but anyway, so Space Eleven Ten. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up on uh, with the Space Jam, and this is totally out there. <clears throat> And uh, I think at the very end, some uh, some dude is like, "Yeah, yeah, baby, yeah." And <laughs> some drunk cowboys, some drunk cowboy, our favorite kind. Some quarterback realizes we're uh, ripping uh, the tectonic plates apart with our guitars. Uh, and there's a flute. Anyway, anyway, thanks for uh, talking with me for yeah. hours. We've been doing this for four hours. This is great. Uh, and I hope it's not three years uh, until you get back <laughs> and we can uh, do another one. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you so much for the chance to talk. Hell uh, yeah, man. It's been a blast. It's a real pleasure. Cheers. Uh, cheers.